This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday, 31st of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. This is what the spike is for. This is what happens between now and 6.30. The Apprentice star Stuart Bags found dead at 27. This was the man who sort of thought he was very clever but turned out not to have been very clever at all. The Top Gear fans dismayed, as you've heard, as the show goes to an online service. The ultra-Orthodox Jew who injured six marches at Pride. Not the first time he's been done for this. He's quite clearly got one or two screws loose. James Wood is suing a Twitter troll for six million. Because you can do that now, and uh, you can take them to court. He's taking this one to court. Uh, Eugenie turns up at Goodwood, looking a bit like a badly dressed sack of potatoes. And never a dull moment when Nancy Delusional's around. Today is no exception. Yes, the delusional one, I lawyer, I this, I that, you know, turns out to be the biggest fraud we've ever met, ladies and gentlemen. And it's all going pear-shaped for kids' company. I can't read more stuff about kids' company. First of all, it sort of started going a bit pear-shaped when, when the uh, the government withheld funding. Now there are allegations about sexual offences. Good God in heaven, honestly. The whole world has gone completely barking mad. But that's what we sort out between now and 6.30. We take your texts, your emails. If you're remotely stupid or you're a bit of a bit of a buffoon, we just delete you and you never get to write to anybody ever again. So you lose the only friend you've ever got. So the advice is keep it clean, keep it mean, and we'll, uh, and we'll do you a, a few favours this morning. Also, the women who take more care picking a sofa than a father for their children. And this is Jan Moyer talking about a few things that we've spoken about on the programme, but she only gets to do it on the Friday in her column. Uh, Morrissey claims he was groped by a guard at an airport. You must let us know which airport, then we can all go there for a quick groping. Uh, non-entity alert. Stephanie Waring's dumped her boyfriend. No, we didn't know who she was either. No, apparently poor old baggage is in something called Hollyoaks. So that's why you will not know her. EastEnders star abused over a gay storyline. This is the internet trolls again. An actor plays a role on a television. <laughs> and admit 48 people write to Ofcom to complain about it. Saddos. I mean, honestly, what is the matter with these people? It's a television soap. It's not real. It's pretend. You have to explain it. Perhaps they sort of sit there. This is outrageous. There's a couple in their boxer shorts in a, in a mortuary. It's a television soap. It's not real. It didn't really happen. But they like to write in. I bet, I bet they've all got green pens or something like that. That's the sort of thing. Years ago, you see, before we had the internet, and I'm old enough to remember how it worked, you could spot the loonies writing in because you could spot the writing. You only had to look at the writing to go, oh, yes, oh, yes. This'll be a mad one again. And I used to get... Thousands of letters overnight. Thousands of letters would come in. And it was started, and I'll tell you exactly how it started, because before the internet, because during my period of time on the radio, internets have come in, mobile phones have come in, all these sort of things. And so what we did, I, I had to think of a way at LBC to get an audience. And the way to get an audience, I thought in the early days, was to make up some letters. So I made up letters. I used to sit down and I would just sort of spout off, like I do most mornings, about, oh, so-and-so's written in to me, and uh, they'd be saying so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And, and so that triggered other people. Because other people thought, wait a minute, this is a bit of an outlet. If I write to this person, they'll mention my letter on the radio and then everybody's happy. And so 
that's how it started. And we used to get sackfuls of letters. I mean, seriously, sackfuls of letters would arrive in each week. The management was slightly disturbed by it, I have to tell you. In fact, I do have a letter in my possession from previous management at LBC saying we're disturbed over the fact that Night Extra, which the programme was called then, has become uh, a cult programme. And so we want, and so they actually wrote to me and said we want it to change. They said we don't want any more letters, we don't want anything of anything, you will rerun the day's output. So in other words, what we would do overnight is we would rerun what they'd done during the daytime, which suited me either way, I mean, but I knew it was going to backfire badly. And it did. The letters started flooding into the management. What have you done to our favourite programme? What have you done to this? And I promise you, within a month, they wrote to me, I have both letters saying, uh, in view of uh, recent revelations that have come to light, we'd like you to return to the old programming. Ha, 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 ha. You know, never underestimate the the, the British public. But I used to get letters from regular people, and I always tell the story of a lady called Ivy Hartley. And I have the letters in my possession, and Ivy Hartley wrote to me, Week in, week out. And I could spot her writing. You could show me a letter from her now, and I would know it was her, because I would recognise the writing. Always wrote in ink. Always wrote... And she'd just do a page saying, Oh, Steve, this week I've done so-and-so. This week I've done this and that. And so i go, Ivy's written in again. And it became like a giant club. Uh, we had LBC parties, where we had listeners who turned up, and people would go, Oh, you're so-and-so. You're, oh, no, I can't believe it. It's what you look like. Anyway, for years, Ivy Hartley wrote to me. Until one day... As you know, if you've been to any of the live shows, I get a letter. And it was a letter inside a letter. And it was a letter from Ivy Hartley's sister. And uh, she wrote to me and she said, "Um, I have to tell you that Ivy died the other day. She said, but she wrote a final letter to you. On the instructions to me was that when she died, I was to send the letter on. So inside the letter from Ivy's sister was the letter from Ivy Hartley. So I opened it and she said, when you read this, I will have died. She said, but I wanted you to know a little bit about me. She said, you never knew anything about me. You just read the letters out all the time because I didn't care whether somebody was old or, you know, 300 years old or 90 or black, white, green. I couldn't care less. Made no difference to me. People were people. And, uh, and she said, I've been very ill for a long time. But I found an outlet with LBC. I wanted to write in, and I became part of it. She said, and I got nice things from other people writing in to say, oh, they'd heard from me and that kind of stuff. She said, but you brought me a lot of pleasure. But uh, just to let you know that this will be the final letter from Ivy Hartley. So I've kept all these things. I keep, I don't know why, hoard rubbish, me. Hoard rubbish. But uh, Ivy Hartley, we sort of featured a number of times on the programme over the years. So we're still keeping her going. Still keeping her going. It's like Maggie from Euston who turned up at the uh, at the theatre, discharged herself from hospital to come to a show. Anyway, on the programme this morning, and she died as well, so it's the anniversary, I think, coming up of, of her death as well. So uh, we like to share those experiences with everybody, just to make it as human as possible. So Stuart Baggs, when he died at the age of 27, uh, no suspicious circumstances, obviously just something in his little body that gave up. I always thought he was one of those people from The Apprentice who was sort of just full of the old... That, that sort of stuff, you know, bull, whatever. And, uh, and he sort of, you know, he sort of talked the talk, he lived the dream, but in fact he, he was a bit of a loner, a bit sad, I suppose, and, uh, and was forced to try and accept the fact that maybe he wasn't as clever as he maybe thought he was. But uh, at the age of 27, that's very young, and it reminded me of the story in the paper the other day. Do you remember the, the young guy who died of the, uh, the nitrous oxide and the booze? And I said, 
I didn't think that he could have died of just nitrous oxide and booze, because people do this all the time. There must have been some sort of heart defect. There must have been something in his body that sort of reacted badly to nitrous oxide, which is given out all over the place at dentists, isn't it? If you go and have work done there. And, uh, and I didn't think there could be a reaction with booze, because otherwise loads of other people would be falling foul of this. And it was confirmed this week. His, uh, his parents said he didn't die of the nitrous oxide. He had a, a heart problem. And so that's why, because when you've had people before who've died of taking this drug or that drug and the parents say we should ban it. And I've always said, well, I don't I don't think so, because if it was a bad batch, loads of other people would have died as opposed to just one person. It's something in inside your body that maybe sort of makes you more susceptible. But Stuart Baggs at 27. Shame, really. 27 is way too young, isn't it? Way, way too young. Uh, other stories of the papers. It's Calais again. Calais, Calais, blooming Calais. And uh, these people, contrary to what uh, some uh, people are telling you within the media, uh, they're not fleeing persecution. These are economic migrants. They drift from country to country. And uh, what they're doing is looking to come here so they can sponge. That's what they're doing. They've got no intention of working. One of them, I mean, it gives you a rough idea. He was interviewed on the television because they didn't show his face for some reason. I don't know why their faces don't want to be seen. And uh, he said that he'd left his wife and six children back home in Iran... And so once he actually got to England, then he could settle here and then bring them over. I thought, this is the whole idea that Cameron doesn't want these people here. We're full up at the moment. I'm sorry. You know, maybe if a few more million people die, we might have a bit more space. But at the moment, we haven't got any space. And then you see these people who look very well dressed, considering they've, uh, they've fled persecution and they can't go home. So in other words, more than happy to leave the wife and kids suffering with the persecution. And they just sort of bugger off and leave them over there. And then they start fighting pitch battles. The mayor of Calais has gone in the press today. She's a fiery little old bird, she is. She wants £35 million uh, to compensate Calais for, uh, for what's happened there, the damages. And, uh, and you look at her, this is Natasha Boucher. Natasha Boucher is blaming the UK's soft-touch benefits system for creating an El Dorado for the desperate refugees. Yeah, they're desperate because they're crooks, that's why, dear. And uh, it's no good blaming people. No good blaming people. It's about time maybe Brussels. If you're going to blame anybody, blame Brussels for letting them pass through about four or five borders. Also, you have the film crews who are watching the uh, the people climbing under fences and over fences. I mean, surely if you had half a brain, Madame Bouchard, do you not think maybe you could spend some money electrifying the fences? Or maybe building them up? If they're still climbing under and over them, couldn't you just make them a bit higher? Would that not be... You know, can you understand that? Hello? Hello? Obviously, Madame Bouchard is deaf in both ears, ladies and gentlemen. And so here they are. As somebody said the other day, trying to get rid of these economic migrants is like sweeping out the sea with a broom. In other words, they can't do anything about it. And what are the government doing? Absolutely nothing. Lots of chatting, lots of talking. Why don't you... I tell you, we could run this bloody country better. Three of us getting together and go, right, OK, what are the troops doing in Colchester? Nothing. OK, down there. OK, let's get the cast of TOWIE down there. Because, let's face it, they managed to make people switch off. They must better make people go home. You know, the cast of Made in Chelsea, send them down there. A few old bags from Geordie Shaw and Princess Eugenie, who turned up the other day at Goodwood. What in God's name are you wearing, love? Listen, if you're wearing a skirt that doesn't flatter you, the thing you don't wear over the top is a little thing that looks like you're part of the resistance in France. You look ridiculous. I've never seen anybody look so bad. Do you have anybody who tells you what to wear? 
Mind you, your mother really wasn't a great dresser, was she? Good at having the old toes sucked, I thought. She looked good in a, in a sort of one-piece. But, I mean, what in God's name are you wearing, dear? I mean, you really look like the worst-dressed person ever. Still not working, I see. Maybe, maybe you could try something, perhaps next year, if that's not too much effort for you. Try and do something, for God's sake. Quarter past four. Look at the team at breakfast from 7.50. Children a day are suspended because of attacking their teachers. What's wrong with the children? And how do we fix it? Are the teachers to blame? And we hear about the children's charity at the centre of a sex abuse investigation. Nick will have the latest on the big getaway, especially if you're going to France. That's Nick and the team from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. And my friend Andrew Pierce, consultant editor for the Daily Mail, is going to be looking at the papers for today, and no doubt it will be that that hot topic, won't it? It will be the hot topic of, of Calais. What do we do with these economic migrants? They're not all seeking uh, to come to this country because they've been persecuted. They really aren't. They're just liars. And that's what the government need to sort out. But they can't. They can't sort it out because they don't know. They don't have the resources. Now you've got the French mayor. You wish she'd sit back in a, in a puddle of garlic, don't you, and sort of keep herself quiet. Goodness sake. I mean, well, I wasn't even aware there was a mayor of Calais. Not much cop, is she, really? She can't. This problem is not new. It's not like it's just happened. This has been going on for ages. Simply ages. But it's now become so easy that these economic migrants swamp in from other parts of the country and they go down there so that they can, you know, hopefully get here so they can sort of take us for all they, they, they can. They have no, we, don't, we don't have any jobs at the moment. You know, we have jobs for people who live here, not people who are probably fraudulent. And we keep discovering all the time more and more fraudulent people. And we try and kick them out. And then they find a lawyer and like, well, you can't kick them out. What did we have the other day? Was it a, a Zambian... Um, illegal asylum seeker from years ago. She's now been allowed to take out a student loan. The court have decided she can take out a student loan. She's here illegally. It's hilarious. It really is absolutely hilarious. Somebody said you and James O'Brien should have a debate about the migrants in France. Oh, he just plays devil's advocate. I mean, surely you've worked that out by now. You don't seriously think that he believes everything he says on the programme. He can't do. He can't do. Otherwise, I'd move them in next door to him. You know, just to see how he liked it. He'd be the first one to be complaining. He could bring them into work with him. Perhaps he could employ them as his producers. You know, let, let's nip over there. It could be fantastic, couldn't it? Uh, we'll have um, you, you and you. But you'll have to uncover your faces. I don't quite understand why when they're interviewed on the television, unless somebody goes, wait a minute, that's the person wanted for that, uh, that murder in Iran. That's what they cover themselves up for. They look even more threatening, don't they, covered up? Dear me. Um, apparently... Uh, and Peter in Islington, I'm not sure whether or not you're in the real world or not, he says you can't electrify the fences at Cali. It's inhumane. These poor migrants are not cattle. They're not poor. That's one thing. They can't be. They find thousands and thousands of pounds to come here. They can't be poor, Peter. Don't be dim than you sound. I mean, Islington, it's generally speaking, you know, generally quite normal, isn't it? Well, reasonably speaking, I suppose it is. <laughs> and then uh, Tess says, after listening to you going on about donut peaches, I had to go and buy some. Well, I ate a whole punnet. I'm now addicted. Um, they have been around for a while now, these things. We, we, we aren't the first piece of pe- people to actually, uh, to actually get them. I don't think so. Uh, they're going to be talking about this London bike ride on Sunday. I think this is this prudential thing. I tell you, I'm sick to death of cyclists. I'm seriously, I'm really getting a bit bored with it. We have them around our way. There's obviously some Kingston Cycling Club. And uh, trying to get past them, it's a blooming nightmare. They're all there with their little go-faster stripes, their little sort of, you know, camera cams and all this sort of thing. But this weekend, we've got uh, loads of them. And Surrey is currently being turned into a giant cycle track. 
You know, why can't we do Buckinghamshire? Far better. Keep them in Buckinghamshire. It's where a lot of MPs come from, isn't it, really? I mean, one landlady at the ploughing cold harbour stepped outside the front door and, uh, and got hit by a cyclist. The cyclist just got up and rode off. Couldn't have given a toss about her. Couldn't have given a toss. And on Sunday, we've got loads of them. And it's apparently all supposed to be absolutely brilliant. It's a bloody pain for all the people who live in Surrey. An absolute pain. It really is. So I've got to work out. A, I can get in in the morning because I've got to work. Because, you know, contrary to uh, to opinions, we're not all pre-recorded. It's not like doing a television programme. And so we sort of, I'll be coming in here. Then, hopefully afterwards, we'll go and do something. And then I better get home a little bit later on. But I seem to remember last year, I spent more, more time going round the houses. Just for a few blooming cyclists. You don't even pay. It's your road clothes. Oh, Lord. Where's that? Where's that clothes, the producers? Oh, she's Wimbledon. Oh, God, Wimbledon's nightmare, isn't it? Well, I think round our way, I mean, Twickenham, I think they go through Twickenham, I think up to Kingston, and then I think they sort of turn around and hopefully fall in the river. I can only hope that. But it's, it's going to be quite a nightmare. And I don't, I don't see what it serves. I mean, are they raising money for charity? In which case, I'll take it all back. But if they're not, and they're just being a pain in the rear end, well, then I can't bear it. You know, why should you have your life disrupted? I want to go and buy my parmentia potatoes. Don't have to sort of wait there for three days while cyclists go across all over the place. And there's going to be professional cyclists and then amateur cyclists. And uh, and there'll be barriers up or, you know, everywhere. So I'll have to wait and see. We'll wait and see. As you can imagine, though, I will be uh, I will be complaining about it come Monday morning if it's uh, one of those things that ruins my weekend. Because I don't cycle. They don't pay to be on the road. They don't have any insurance. They don't contribute to the upkeep of the roads. I'm paying for that. Of course, most of these cyclists are a bit fraudulent. They do have cars as well. They just like like to pretend that they're sort of economic, e- um, economically sort of sound and everything else. Uh, Steve, get rid of the child benefits and the migrants will stop coming. I don't think so, because there's so many other ways to cheat the system. I mean, Anne in Belfast says, if the migrants are fleeing persecution, why didn't they seek asylum in the first safe country they came to? Because the first safe country they came to doesn't hand out uh, uh, benefits like we do in this country. I mean, it is absolutely ludicrous. We are fully stocked at the moment. We don't want anybody else. Uh, Ross says, talking about James O'Brien, yesterday he said you move all your pound shop shopping into M&S bags. Um, I mean, you do know he's a shareholder in Poundland, don't you? I mean, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, Ross, as you, as you know. He is a shareholder. He doesn't have a huge share, but he's a shareholder in Poundland. So that's why he has to weave it into the programme. He has to get the name across. Was I keep talking about Greg's because I quite like their uh, their sausage rolls. I haven't eaten anything else there because it's too full of dirty, unwashed students, and I wouldn't be seen dead in there. But uh, I do like the sausage rolls, and secretly I have been in and bought three at a time because I, I quite like a sausage roll. <laughs> oh dear. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. I was going to give you the weather for today because it is Friday, and we like Friday, and we will be having. Two clips at about 5.30 of two of the celebrities who join me this weekend for In Conversation. One is Arlene Phillips, uh, who's going to be talking about uh, why we don't treat elderly people properly. So, you know, that's a subject dear to my heart as well. And uh, the other guest is Simon Pegg, the actor. So we're going to be talking about all sorts of things. We'll talk about Robin Williams. We'll talk about Tom Cruise. We'll talk about what he's up to. We'll talk about his films. We'll talk about his comedy. Everything. So that's coming up uh, a little bit later on this morning. have a couple of little clips. And then the programme will run on Sunday morning between 5 and 6am and then between 6 and 8. God willing and bicycles not uh, putting me off my stride. I will be here to go through the Sunday papers. So what's today? Fine and dry. Pleasant spells of sunshine. Mostly light winds. OK, I can cope with that. High of 22. OK. Uh, tonight, remaining dry throughout the evening and overnight with variable amounts of cloud and clear spell. Gentlemen, because I forgot yesterday. I got in. 
And uh, I forget what I'd done. I'd done loads of little bits and pieces. And um, and then I was I was sort of sitting there having tea, and I'm thinking, oh, I haven't, I haven't watered the baskets. And I've got so many baskets to water, as you know, and I don't like to leave them in case they get lonely, and I don't want them to dry out. So I did go to bed, but I got up a little bit earlier, and immediately I'd filled my watering can up the other day, and it was all ready to run, and somebody, somebody, somebody else has pinched it. Not pinched the watering can, they've taken the water out of it, which was very annoying. So uh, I, I did some watering, but just with a watering can. So they've, they've had a bit of a drink, and then later on today, when I get back home, I will be drenching them. And I do like drenching the baskets. None of this just sort of putting a little tiny bit of water on there. Anyway, some of the stories for today, because I have lots of uh, friends of mine in the business who have shows to do. And they uh, they want to know all about the stories in the papers, which are going to get people going. Um, there's, a <laughs> there's a sign here, which is on the Oxford Banbury Road, and it says, Happy 50th, Steve Allen. Now, I don't know whether this is current or whether... I don't know how old it is. I've had that before. Somebody was doing... Um, what were they doing? They were doing... A, was it a telethon or something like that on a programme? And he said, because I'm a fan of the programme, Steve, I'm going to hold up a card saying, hello to Steve Allen. And so he did it on television. <laughs> I wanted to have my name sprayed on motorway bridges. Tune in to Steve Allen on LBC, 4 till 6.30. You won't, you won't regret it. I like happy 50th Steve Allen, but I, I am of the opinion, Steve, that there are quite a number of Steve Allens around, even in this company. There are quite a number of Steve Allens. Um... How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb, says Len? Uh, just the one, to make sure it wants to change. You have to ask that, don't you? Can you imagine? In America, it's quite normal to have your own psychiatrist. People go there to have their lives analysed. And they sit down and they talk to a perfect stranger about things that they can't fathom out. And I've never, never quite understood it. If I want to sort of, you know, explain anything that I do, I drink about three or four glasses of Prosecco and I can understand it quite clearly. Quite clearly. Uh, the Sun this morning, the apprentice legend dying at 27. That's Stuart the Brand Bags. And uh, a pal discovered his uh, body at his flat on the Isle of Man where he'd lived. And uh, no suspicious circumstances, they are saying. Uh, he went to bed after a party, and then they found his body in the morning. Um, I'm assuming... Uh, I'm assuming that it was some sort of heart defect or something like that. Uh, some of his things, everything I touch turns to sold. This was one of his. I'm not a one-trick pony. I'm not a ten-trick pony. I've got a field of ponies waiting literally to run towards this. I'm Stuart Baggs, the brand... I've got a certain type of charisma. Excuse me, sir, you look like a sausage connoisseur. Hasta la vista, gravy. At the minute, I'm a big fish in a small pond. White sausages? I've got one of them. Now, dead. And uh, he was fired, actually. He never, he never sort of won anything, did he, really? And uh, he's, the, he's the latest people who lost their lives. Brian Jones, at 27. Jimi Hendrix, at 27. Janis Joplin, at 27. Jim Morrison. Uh, Kurt Cobain... Uh, Richie Edwards, the Manic Street Peaches, and Amy Winehouse. Funny, isn't it? That's the 27 Club, and that's just the ones we know about. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday, 31st of July, end of the month, and then tomorrow we do Pinch and a Punch, well, we do if it's a cyclist. And uh, and th- that story, incidentally, about uh, Stuart... Uh, The brand Bags, who's died at the age of 27, appears in The Sun this morning on page 7 because he's part of the tragic 27 club, people who've died at the age of 27. And it's quite interesting 
really, when you look at it. I mean, I don't... I mean, it's obviously, there's loads of other people who've died at 28, 29, and 30, and 60, and 90, and everything else. It's just that, because he's sort of famous, although why you'd put him in the same bag as Janis Joplin, I can't imagine, or Jimi Hendrix. Good Lord. Uh, the Top Gear trio joining Amazon to launch the new car show. This is on page 13 of The Sun this morning. Just above um, a picture of poor little Joey Essex, the simpleton. I call him a simpleton. It's, uh, it's said with love and affection. And the fact that he can't tell the time at the age of 25. You know, he appears to be getting a bit more stupid, but not a lot of work on the cards. You know, he made some money last year, and that was great. But I suspect now we're on the downward turn. In fact, I can almost guarantee it. There's a little boy in the paper today, page 15 of The Sun, who's got hair which is three foot long, and he's only just had it cut. His name is uh, Rahim Woods. He got attached to his locks. He refused to get them trimmed, even when he was mistaken for a girl, and he does look like a girl. There's no two ways about it. He's uh, 11. Anyway, he says, I was a bit nervous. I didn't like the sound of scissors going through my hair. I've never felt that before. And so he raised some money for charity, had his hair cut off, and now he looks normal, as opposed to looking like some sort of... uh, some little bloke with very long hair, which isn't particularly good, is it? Uh, Gordon Ramsay? No, that's not interesting enough, is it? Gordon Ramsay buying a house. Why would that be interesting in the papers? I don't think it really is, actually. And uh, a blogger alleged that Fusilier Lee Rigby's murder was a hoax staged by MI5. This is conspiracy theorist Chris Spivy, who made the claim in a fake Sun front page in his website. It read that uh, Woolwich attack was staged Lee Rigs- Rigsby. Uh, Rigby doesn't exist... Uh, this is a man who comes from uh, from Essex. He claimed that the family were involved in a conspiracy. Honestly, I mean, I suppose you know people start believing these things, don't they? After a while, I wouldn't be that naive to think that there aren't some people in the country who think that you know crop circles are made by aliens and that we never landed on the moon. It was all staged in an aircraft hangar in Arizona, usual sort of thing. And the Loch Ness monster really existed. And of course, it's a load of old hooey, isn't it? But people like to believe because they have something missing in their life. It's called brains. It's called brains. Uh, the dentist in the 20 stone ban on fatties is decided is if you're more than 20 stone, he's going to turn you away from the dental practice over fears that you'll break the chair. Can't be a very strong chair, can it? Bosses sent out letters warning that the recliners um, are, uh, are sort of quite large now, but they've got a safety weight limit. And if you're more than 20 stone, they're not going to put you in there. Kieran Goff, who runs a nearby slimming, slimming club, says, this is an NHS service. How can they say yes to one patient, no to another? Open your, open your ears, Kieran. It's because if somebody's too big, these chairs have a weight on them. And if you're sort of 25 stone, it's going to break the chair. You're not understanding that. I mean, God, how dim do you have to be, for God's sake? How many runs a slimming club? I mean, you, surely even you understand that. That's why you're running a slimming club. You're running a slimming club, I presume to help people lose weight from being fat and over 20 stone to being slim. It's the matter with people. Why do they not understand this? You know, everybody puts on a bit of weight nowadays. You know, you can't help it. It's just, it's the food that we're eating. You eat rubbish food, you put on weight. That's what you expect. Uh, another one here says, um, uh, Ian says, trouble in Europe, there are no borders anymore to stop migrants. And uh, Peter says, when you retire or get the chop, I'd like your job. No danger of that ever happening, Peter. And by that time, you'll be pushing up daisies, I should imagine. I mean, you're practically there already, aren't you? I mean, good God in heaven. I bet you don't work. I bet you don't. I can tell you don't work at 20 to 5 in the morning. I know everything about you. Everything about you. Uh, spread the love, says Ian. If the cycle is so good, why is it always southwest London and northeast Surrey? Yeah, why can't they go somewhere else? Scotland. Sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Perhaps they could all cycle up to Scotland. That'd be a good idea. Uh, another one says, I totally agree with you. 
regarding the cyclists. Can you tell me if us paying road users can apply for a road tax refund for the day of the events? Exactly. Imagine being told the producer's got to move her car out of the road where she lives. I'd be going, I think not, mate. Touch my car and I'll have you, OK? You are not allowed to touch my cars, not your vehicle. And she's not even on... I mean, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I think we should have a protest, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a mass protest. I like a mass protest, actually. I think they're always quite good fun. Oh, did I mention Katie Hopkins is on LBC on Sunday morning at 10? Did I mention that? I thought that'd excite a few of you. Yeah, can't wait to see uh, see old Katie back again. Will I see her in the morning? Of course I shall see her in the morning. She always makes a special point of coming in to see me, and we do, we do you know, sort of showbiz kissing and all that kind of stuff. We love each other. Because I agree with most of the stuff she says. Obviously, I don't agree with every single thing she says. But then, you know, if you agree with most of it, it's like I don't expect everybody to agree with every single thing that I say. You'll, but you'll agree with 90% of it. The other 10%, I couldn't give a forex. Not remotely bothered. You know, you don't write my contracts out. Uh, morning from Dale to, uh, to Scally at uh, Duppy Art. And morning, Steve, too. I'm like an afterthought now. I'm like an afterthought. <laughs> you leave him alone, Dale. Uh, other one here. Uh, popped into uh, Rikers Cafe at Box Hill. The owner was saying that due to the, uh, the closures, the road closures for the cycle race, she didn't see the point of opening up and had to give all the stuff, uh, the staff the day off. Ridiculous, isn't it? Not good, says Perry. She said Saturday and Sunday are their busiest days. They, could, they only do a brisk trade during the summer. Could she get some sort of compensation? I don't know, actually. I mean, th- I mean that I wouldn't be qualified to tell you on. You'd have to go to a, to a lawyer to see if there was uh, any way of compensation. It's ridiculous. How does a 14-year-old migrant get 700 to 1,000 euros to cross the channel? Can't work that one out, says Dave. No, I can't. That's why they're economic migrants. They're not fleeing persecution at all. What, fleeing persecution and you managed to get here but you've dumped the family off somewhere? That's why most of the stuff you're being fed is propaganda. You know, as far as I'm concerned, we don't want these people in the country. That's come from the Prime Minister. That hasn't, you know, and if you ask 90% of people in this country in surveys, they don't want them here either. We are full up. Have you been to Dover recently? What a dump. What a dump. Vera Lynn will be turning and spinning in her bath chair, ladies and gentlemen. You know, because it's full of people who have... They, they just... They, they couldn't care less. They're not remotely interested. They just want to get here. They want to take, take the benefits. Mind you, we've got enough people here pinching the benefits. Remember that couple the other day? The lesbian couple. And uh, they swanned around the world. Do you know the reason she swanned around the world? You won't believe the excuse this uh, convicted old fraudster has come up with. It's because being out of work made her depressed. Oh, diddums. I'll get you back into work, love. Come around and see me. I'll get you back into work. Have you pushing a truck around town, sweeping up again? You're, you're just a fraudster. Why you weren't sent to prison, I've got no idea. Jan Moyer thought exactly the same. Uh, Christine here. How are you? Uh, she's in Ireland. She's, <laughs> she even writes now, how are you? I do it all the time. I love it. She says, if you come to Ireland, you have to go to Enniskerry near, is it Powers Court? There's a fruit and veg shop and they sell the best donut peaches. You love them. But I still love your show. I d- I donut peaches I loved. You know, today I've got uh, raspberries. Raspberries. I bought three punnets of raspberries yesterday. They're, they are particularly good. Uh, but it doesn't say where they come from. It just says, grower's name, E. Vinson. But I've got no idea. They go off ever so quickly, raspberries. You've got to sort of... And I'm convincing myself that they're really good for me. Are they, oh, it's best, oh, are they best of British? Oh, right. Oh, it is. Best of British. They Sapphire raspberries. Doesn't that sound exotic? Sapphire raspberries, ladies and gentlemen. Look. Isn't that exciting? I love... Look at... And they're, they're quite... They're quite... I wonder how they pick them. Are they picked by hand or by machine? 
They're almost too perfect, aren't they? Almost too perfect. Uh -huh. mm. Oh, quite sweet. It reminds me, when I was little, uh, we used to have raspberry canes in the garden. And uh, my grandmother did as well. And when you pick them, that's what they taste like. They taste like those. So when you, when you pick them, it takes you back to your childhood. And they're not very expensive. You can get a punnet for, I think, about £2. Which might seem a lot of money to some people. But you can always grow them. You can grow them. Do you know, the, uh, the TV biz pays by Will Payne. He's obviously run out of stories, poor soul, this week. Because the whole story on his thing is about um, Hollyoaks star Stephanie Waring, who's dumped her boyfriend. Well, excuse me for stepping back in amazement. Stephanie who? Holly who? Holly what? Apparently, uh, her finishing with her boyfriend. Um, oh, wait a minute. She has a, a, a daughter, Lexi, with Dan, who's somebody else. I don't know who he is. Who's Dan? Wait a minute. Dan, 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 Dan. Oh, no. That, that was... Rick was the last one. She plays Cindy Cunningham. No, none the wiser. So sorry, Stephanie. Your uh, your monumental descent into hell has missed me a little bit. She's got an older daughter from a previous relationship. And, oh, she went to... It's Kim Marsh's ex she's been with. Oh, that's why she's famous. In her, in her deluded sexual way. You know, it's because of who she's slept with. And so now she's dumped her nightclub owner boyfriend. And that apparently is, is news in TV biz world. I mean, come on, Will, you can do better. You're better than that. You don't want to pick up, because I wouldn't mind, but she's obviously issued it as a press statement, like anybody gives a flying 4X who she goes out with. I couldn't care less. I've never even heard of her before, but I now remember who she is. Uh, and guess who's been signed up for the next series of Celebrity Big Brother? I mean, I don't know why, because she's already been, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. She's been in loads of other things. And this is Kim Woodburn. But she, we've seen her now. They say she's no stranger to reality TV. She came second in I'm a Celebrity in 2009. And then she was in the Big Brother spin-off bit on the side in 2011. But we've seen you, dear, in Big Brother. Go away. I don't want to be rude, but, you know, for goodness sake. I mean, it's, you know, the, um, the, the list of, of people who have signed up for this latest one is becoming more bizarre by the minute. You know that they're going to chuck in a few sort of uh, people that are going to go, ugh. And uh, so far, we've got Sherry Hewson, Janice Dickinson. I mean, she's mad as a barrel load of frogs. What do you want her in there for? Paul Dannon from Hollyoaks again. It must be the place where they go to die. Um, X Factor Lovebirds, Stevie Ritchie and Chloe Jasmine Wicello. I mean, two old D-listers, if ever there were. And Daniela Westbrook. Think she can go that long without cocaine? I mean, I'm not sure if she can manage it. I'm hoping she's off the stuff, but they, they claim she's being paid £200,000. And as you wrote to me last week saying, excuse me, somebody who's admitted going back on the cocaine and they give her £200,000. Is that wise? Do you not think that the prize, should she win it, and I, I don't want to sort of step out of the box here and sort of proclaim myself to be Mr Sanctimonious, but do you not think that for Daniela Westbrook, the prize should be a month in rehab to get you clean? And that way, we've sort of achieved something. We've sort of said, listen, we're being really nice to you. We don't want to give you money, dear, because you can't be trusted. So how about uh, we put some money in trust for the children and then we send you to rehab and we get you clean so you don't shove half of Columbia up your nose again? Would that not be a better prize? That would be better. I mean, for sort of ex-Hollyoak star Paul Dannon, how about we take you to Mexico City and leave you there? OK, that'd be quite good. Don't want to see you again. And... Uh, Stevie Ritchie and Chloe Jasmine Wachello. I mean, I don't know what you do with has-beens. Where can I put you? I know a safari park in South Africa. You could uh, build a little lodge. 
And I've got this dentist friend of mine who I'm sure will be more than happy to sort of have a little bit of a little bit of a game with you. And as for sort of Kim Woodburn, I've interviewed her before. She's perfectly pleasant, but I think if you've done a reality show and it quite clearly hasn't kick-start your career, then, then you have to find something else to do. Mind you, you probably find Stephanie Waring's in line for it. Let's face it, nobody will know who she is. She's totally unrecognisable. Seriously, you look at the picture, she just looks bland. Just pushing your boobs up does not make you a TV presenter, as far as I'm concerned. But the worst programme on the television, which they say is a threat to, to the great British Bake Off, is a show which patronises you into telling you how to barbecue. You've never seen a bigger pile of doggy doos in your entire life. It's called Barbecue Champ. And it's the biggest pile of rubbish I think it's ever been our misfortune to put on television. I can't imagine why it takes three people. And apparently, the Great British Bake Off may soon be toast, according to the loudmouth judge of a new rival cooking programme. American Adam Richman. I mean, an American. Go away. Blooming American. We don't want you over here. Go away. Go away. Silly little boy. Anyway, he's, he says that uh, this is war on Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood. Go away, you silly little person. We don't want you over here. No work in America for you. The great British steak up. Don't patronise us. We know how to cook sausages. There's a joke there somewhere. I can't be, can't be bothered or even, you know, interested in kind of repeating it to you this morning. Uh, still to come, Jeremy Kyle... Saving two neglected children. Christina Rianoff has uh, gone murder on the dance floor. Uh, she's obviously not listened to this programme at all. Christina, Christi- Christina, that- Christina, camera, camera. OK, got your attention. Um, zip your mouth up, dear. Nobody's interested in anything you have to say. That's why you're unpopular. OK, if you want to be popular, listen to this programme. You know, if you want to be stupid, you know, and, um, and sort of sleep your way around the contestants, and, I mean, you know, three of them so far is not a bad record, is it, for one programme? I mean, that's, that's fairly good. And so now she's, um, she's, uh, she's sort of threatened all sorts of things here. She's, uh, she's dating Ben Cohen, welcome to him, and she now claimed that loads of other people had flings and she's branded the horrible one. People don't like you. I've tried to explain. Listen. Listen. Christina. Christina. Camera. OK, got your attention again, thank you. You know, do not keep opening your mouth without engaging your brain. It makes you come over as a bit stupid. OK, just telling you that now, which is one of my favourite words. Camera. Uh, more in a moment on the police probing the claims against the kids' charity. It's not looking good, is it? We'll try and find something that puts a smile on your face at 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 12 minutes. No, it's not. It's 11 minutes to five, just in case. Relationship coach says, yo, Steve, are you team hashtag Drake or team hashtag Meek Mill? Well, it's hashtag Drake. It's, we did this yesterday because uh, big fan Fetty Wop. Big fan Fetty Wop. And a lot of people were poo-pooing the idea that Steve Allen knew about such things. I promise you I have friends in high places in this company. And uh, they play... In fact, I was only in talking to one of my friends the other day. And as we were chatting, because he, he had the, the music turned down, he went, Oh, wait a minute. I'm playing Fetty Wop. And so we were listening to Fetty Wop. So there you go. So I, I, like, I, like, to be, I like to be down with the kids. I like to understand some of the music. Uh, Scally, looking good. He says, uh, I've missed this... Uh, this, uh, this programme. And Steve says, at LBC, Steve, if we are the evil, hated UK with our foreign policy and our alliance with the US, why the rush to come over here? Money. Money. That's what it's for. It's for money and the fact you can get away with sheer murder in this country. Literally, sheer murder. And Steve also says, if I was leaving a bad situation, I wouldn't leave my wife and kids behind and bypass several countries en route, and only to end up 
in, uh, in Calais, a dump of a place with a short, dumpy little mare who hasn't got the faintest idea how to run a bath, let alone a, a sort of place like Calais. And so that's why it's interesting, isn't it? Why would you want to do that? So you've left your wife and there's a chance you could be electrocuted by a train. Why not seek asylum in the first country? I don't understand it either, but I think we all know what the answer is. Uh, Chris enjoys the programme, and Margaret says, we have a raspberry bush which is heaving. My husband is going to make raspberry wine tomorrow. Well, that sounds quite nice. quite like the idea of raspberry wine. I've never tried it before. I did have a, I did have a friend who, um, who made lots of different nettle wine and stuff like that, and blackcurrant wine. All sounds very exciting, doesn't it? And uh, Dan says, inspired by your Thai green curry last night. Beautiful restaurant in Old Street and went there. And, uh, and then somebody says, R.I.P. Stuart Baggs, the brand. And uh, I love the idea. Jim has sent me in a picture. And it's, very, it's of a lion, a lioness. And she's leaning over a log and she's got a gun in her hand. <laughs> which I think is uh, very, very entertaining. Very entertaining. So there is uh, more stories on uh, this charity. This is Kids Company. First of all, they had problems with, they thought, financial irregularities, so the government suspended funding. The uh, person who was running it was a very bright, colourful person. In fact, she was so bright and colourful, you couldn't quite work out where she was coming from, but uh, you certainly couldn't miss her. Anyway, she then, uh, the government said, we're not going to give any more money unless she steps down. Now... There are claims against them of, uh, of a sexual nature and drugs, which are historical. So they go back some years. And you have to ask yourself the question. I mean, is this just about to collapse? I didn't, to be honest with you, I'm not as well versed in kids' company as I am with other charities. I don't quite understand what they do. I'm assuming they look after the welfare of children and vulnerable children. But on one of the allegations, it involves uh, smoking drugs. And I would have thought that if you were in a charity and the idea is that you're trying to look after children, uh, the one thing you don't do is have anything to do with drugs because these are vulnerable people. And I can stand back and hold my hands up about drugs because I don't know anything about them. I can talk about them because I read the newspapers and I'm very well informed. But I wouldn't know anything about it. And I would have thought if you've got a charity that involves children and you've got a charity that involves people trying to look after them, the one thing that you wouldn't do is have them anywhere near drugs. Not at all. Uh, more on Top Gear. This is in every newspaper today. Ian, uh, the, uh, the primetime show will cost you 79 quid uh, because they've paid so much money. And they reckon that this is, that this is what you're going to want to watch it on. You're going to want to watch it on Amazon. And I'm thinking to myself, would I really want to watch it on Amazon? Do I like them enough to think that I can, that I can actually sort of sit back and watch the programme on Amazon? Would I want to do that? And the answer is, I don't think so. I don't think so. £79. I do pay for Amazon's prime time. I do pay for that. Whether or not... I'm going to want to pay for it. Well, as I pay for it anyway, I suppose it doesn't make any difference. But do I like Top Gear enough, or whatever they're going to call it now, uh, do I like it enough to, to sort of, if I didn't have a subscription, to pay for the subscription to watch it? People are saying it's unreasonably priced. Oh, I don't think it's unreasonably priced. What I think it is, it's, uh, it's a big money deal for them, and I believe it's about six million quid each. Six million pounds each. So I think that that could be quite... That could be quite interesting, don't you think so? Would you want to pay for it? Would you want to see it? I think so. I think so, yes. I think I would have to say I will be paying for it. Uh, stuffed head was going to be sent to America. This is Cecil the Lion. I'm sorry to tell you that uh, the killer dentist has closed the practice at the moment. He's kept his head down. He says, I don't talk about my hunting with patients. 
Well, I should imagine most of the patients didn't have the faintest idea. But because they cut the head off, it was going to be sort of whatever they do to it and then sent over to America with the skin. Well, I don't think that'll be happening any time soon. What do you reckon? Definitely not. So they've got all the pickets outside of his uh, surgery now and uh, also outside his mansion, as they call it, because he's a very successful dentist. It's uh, in terms of homes over there. This isn't really a mansion. It's big by our standards, but it's not really a a big mansion. But there's loads of people out there. Animal lovers everywhere are sort of, uh, you know, standing out there with justice for Cecil, protect Cecil, you know, equal rights for Cecil. They've literally gone absolutely mad on it. I thought it would go viral. I didn't ever think that it wouldn't go viral. And so now I'm sort of looking at it and I'm thinking, he's in big trouble. He's not only in, in big trouble with this, uh, with this poor animal, but I think the, the practice would have to close. I can't see, it, can't see it surviving very much longer, especially if all these people and all this hate mail that's been sent to him continues. I mean, it really is not not the best publicity they ever could have had. But as I pointed out yesterday and the day before, and the day before, he's one of loads of people. Loads of people do this. People from this country go out there. We found a sir yesterday. He's in the papers again today. And they go out there and they... Um, and they kill animals. They kill them for fun, which is what we couldn't quite understand. You can understand culling for, you know, protection of the herd kind of basis, but you can't understand killing a lion for no reason apart from a bit of fun. And so that's why... Uh, and the leopard as well. You know, most beautiful creatures. And he just went out and killed. 47. 47 kills against him. And they're all registered. Every single kill is registered. So now we know what a bizarre person he is. Uh, I will tell you the story of the East Enders star... Abused over a gay storyline. It's an odd one, really, because it's uh, people thinking that what they see on the television is real. And they go, well, we don't want this. We think it's uh, disrespectful. It's only a story. It doesn't actually matter. And also a poll of Hollywood's great films, the top 100 US movies. And uh, interesting, because some of the films you'll have heard of... Some of the films you will not have heard of, but they're all in the list. And there's pages and pages on Stuart Baggs. Literally, pages. I've never known so much coverage on a man who didn't win The Apprentice. But because he was infuriating and because people were sort of saying, mm, you know, he's a little bit irritating. When he dies, he gets even more coverage than he got when he was alive. So at 27, and he makes that list of people who died at the age of 27, plus Linda Robson's nephew who gets 12 years in jail for burqa raids. Uh, these were nothing new. These were motorcycle raiders, and they put burqas on so they couldn't be identified. And uh, he's been jailed for 12 years. The fact that uh, he's Linda Robson's nephew means that he definitely makes the papers. There were other people who were jailed as well, but because he's Linda Robson's nephew, uh, they, they tie it in to her. Uh, also, the swarm story, that's what they're calling it now, fury over Cameron Gaff as Calais' summer of anarchy gets worse. And it can only get worse. It's not certainly going to get any better at all. And they ask the question in the paper today, they've got a suitcase. Is it from the doomed flight, MH370? Luggage has now been washed up on an island. First of all, you get half a wing. Now you get luggage. You begin to wonder, what next? I mean, is it really from the flight? Could it be from the flight? Has it been placed there? What is it? What is it that sort of, all of a sudden, this island seems to be the target for, for bits of plane cropping up after all this time. When they couldn't find it, now luggage has started floating up. I mean, if there's one piece of luggage, surely there must be loads of pieces of luggage. And spare a thought for James Burns. 
Uh, James went uh, to get three bags of um, of uh, compost from B&Q. He filled it up. It was only when he realised that he's got pot growing in there. He's got uh, marijuana plants. <laughs> he was he was a bit shocked when the healthy pot plants sprouted and then reached 18 inches tall. So he's now got his own uh, his own marijuana. The company, of course, are investigating, which is uh, which is an interest. I've never heard of that before. I often wonder where slugs come from, but it's never actually crossed my mind. Where on earth, if you put some compost in, you're going to get... I mean, I get ants and everything. Where they come from, God alone knows. But now you've got people who are growing marijuana. Interesting. Listen, we'll take a short break. We're coming up to the, uh, to the news at uh, five o'clock on LBC. These are some of the stories that we're looking at this morning. The Apprentice star Stuart, dead at 27. James Wood is suing a Twitter troll for £6 million. This is going to be a test case. If he's successful, and it looks likely he's got a top lawyer on it, it's going to open the floodgates here for anybody who's been uh, uh, twittered, trolled by by a troll. Uh, the crisis in Calais, it's a war zone. Eugenie turns up at Goodwood. I mean, God knows what she looks like. Never a dull moment when Nancy Delusional is around. Uh, Hillary's marriage, a total fake, say the experts. Women who take more care picking a sofa than the father of their children. And uh, Jeremy Kyle saves two neglected children. That and more on LBC this morning. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Friday. We can go woohoo and get very excited about Friday because for many of you, it's a rest. Uh, For some of you, it'll mean getting the bicycle gear out and going for your long cycle ride, disrupting the rest of our lives. Not that I'm bitter in any way, shape or form. The Apprentice star Stuart Baggs, dead at 27, found after a party at his home. No suspicious circumstances, just just happened to sort of die like that. It happens to a lot of people. If you want to cut your waistline, two hours a day walking is the thing that's going to work for you. Uh, Nobody gets Cara Delevingne. We really don't understand you, dear. I hope your acting's a bit better than your modelling. It, it, it needs to be, doesn't it? Never a dull moment when Nancy Delusional is around and Hillary marriage. Total fate, say the experts. Ah. Actually, I'm not surprised on that one at all. Do you ever believe that there was anything going between Hillary and Bill Clinton? I mean, do me a favour. I did not have sexual... Oh, that was the other one, wasn't it? I've just remembered. But uh, anyway, it's all going pear-shaped for kids' company. I mean, that really is going pear-shaped. I mean, I've never known something that's going from, you know, something that every taught... I didn't even know what it was. And I've sat next to the lady... Who used to run it? I've been at a at a charity dinner with her. Um, she's not the easiest person to have a conversation with. It has to be said, and she's certainly very bright. I mean, you you would not forget her at all. You would you would see her once and you go blimey. She used to appear on the television all the time, and now it's it's a collapsing like a little bit of a pack of cards. I'm sure that Nick Ferrari will unravel the mystery a little bit later on this morning. Morrissey claims he was groped by a guard at an airport. Sorry, and the complaint is what? The complaint is what? I don't know. I thought that's, you know, what people have to have to check you. Inadvert. I mean, I've had it before as well. I went through three times. I quite liked it, actually. Uh, EastEnders star abused over the gay storyline. This is a really odd, 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 odd story. And the reason it's odd is because it's not real. It's because it's it's a made up story. This is uh, the newcomer whose name is uh, Johnny Laby. He's been the target of online homophobic abuse over his gay storyline. I thought we'd grown out of that kind of thing, hadn't we? I mean, who are the simpletons who write homophobic abuse? Johnny plays Paul Coker. He's involved in an affair with Ben Mitchell, played by Harry Reid. 
It, they're just acting, OK? They're just acting. I'd have to explain this to the simpletons listening, because uh, there might be some. And they strip to their boxes for a romp in a funeral parlour. It's acting, OK? It's acting. It's a storyline. Anyway, Johnny said, people would have been fine if it was a guy and a girl kissing. We need to move on from discrimination against gay men. He told Gay Times that EastEnders was trying to show how some gay people found it hard to come out. Johnny said the reaction seemed positive, but when I started nosing around the internet, I found some negative ones. Oh, never nose around the internet. I mean, it's all that's where all the saddos lurk. Goodness sake. 48 complaints to Watchdog, probably complaining that they weren't invited to romp in as well, I should imagine. You know, I think it was the fact that they were romping in their boxer shorts in a funeral parlour. And people go, that's, that's a bit... That's a bit serious, isn't it? A funeral parlour is a place where, where they sort of lay out the dead. And you think, well, I'm sure the dead would like to join in as well. A bit of groping going on. But I love the idea that if you search the internet, you can find homophobic abuse towards him. He's a heterosexual actor playing a part. It's hilarious, isn't it? You want to go round to these people's houses. That's what I want to do. I told you, my ultimate ambition is to find an internet troll who has trolled a family. And we've had them before when... Uh, children have been so depressed that they've taken their own lives. And then the family get trolled. Well, I want to drag these people out by their hair, literally drag them out onto the street and, uh, and, and pillory them in front of everybody and just destroy their lives. Because what they do to people whilst hiding behind, you know, sham the, sham the pharaoh 643281 or whatever it happens to be, these are the people who cause the most misery. For families who've lost children, for families whose children have taken their own lives, you know, for people who've been attacked in their own homes. These people then troll afterwards. I want to see them dragged out screaming. I want to take a film crew out. I want to do a whole programme. You know, like they do in America, where they do a set-up. They had a set-up programme. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it involved a man who'd been talking to a girl online, a very young girl, but of course it wasn't a young girl. It was, it was a police officer. And they set him up, and then they got him, and then they produced all the cameras. Hello! A bit like Watchdog, but without having to suffer with Matt Albright all the time, who's intensely irritating, you know, of the highest level. You know, just do the programme, do the job, make it look good, that's all we care about. Stop this silly play-acting charades that we have to put up with. It's, it's just rubbish. And that's what I want to see over here. I want to see the internet trolls. Find them. Go round there, start filming. Um, it's, it's so-and-so in. Uh, they're up in their bedroom playing at the moment. Get them down there. Get them down there. Hello, you've been uh, writing this stuff. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. And you've got to expose them. You've got to expose them. Because there will be people who'll be writing about Stuart Baggs. I guarantee it. I could always put money on it right now. But somewhere on the internet you'll find somebody going, oh, I'm glad he's dead. He never achieved anything. He was this, he was that. And, and those are the sort of people. He's got parents. He's got parents. And these internet trolls we have to get. So over in America, they've actually, uh, they've actually got somebody al- already. And uh, it's, it's going to court. It's going to court. It's, uh, it's amazing. I'm, I'm quite uh, quite happy, actually. Uh, upper crust goes up a cut. This is poor old uh, has-been Spencer Matthews. Good God, not still around, are you, Spencer? I mean, really, a bit old for that kind of thing, aren't you? Anyway, he's been, uh, he's been going to a gym in West London. Um, he's, uh, he's learning how to box. I think you need to do something, dear. You're not very successful, are you, really? But um, it's very interesting. Apparently, his, his, his nickname is Spenny. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it, really? And uh, what else do we have here? This is a picture of... Oh, Stephanie Waring. They've all picked up on the Stephanie Waring um, press release, which she's obviously put out saying that I've now dumped my cheating boyfriend. And uh, as if anybody's interested. <laughs> I'm so sorry, darling. It's a, it's a shame, really, that nobody really knows who you are. And if all we're interested in about you is the fact that you've dumped your boyfriend, I'd try and get another career as quickly as possible because it's all going pear-shaped. Let's face it, it's been pear-shaped for so many people, hasn't it? 
pear shaped, and they don't they don't seem to learn about it. They really don't seem to learn. Like Nancy Delusional, the uh, the world's most deluded woman who thinks that anybody's interested in anything she does. I mean, she's got no money. She's got no nothing at all. I mean, I'm t- I'm not even sure what she does as a career. I know she keeps telling us that she's a hotshot lawyer, but as far as I know, I haven't seen any evidence of this. Uh, more on. Um, the Hillary marriage being a total fake. Uh, This is an expert on the Secret Service. Robert Kessler says Bill and Hillary Clinton have entered into a business relationship, which uh, which seems to work for a lot of other people. I mean, the one off the top of my mind I can think of, which which seems to be a business, is the Beckhams. It's Brand Beckham, isn't it? They are selling Brand Beckham. Whether or not there's a marriage still there, I've got no idea. Nothing to do with me, but they sell the brand. Separately, they'd be useless. They need Brand Beckham. And all he does, he just pops up if you want your underpants modelling or whiskey or any jacket or a bicycle or something like that. He'll, he'll do it for a fee because that's what his business is now. She sort of poodles around the world. I mean, how much time they spend together, I've got no idea, because every time you see him out, he's by himself. They don't seem to do anything as a family, unless it's a photo opportunity. And I quite believe that uh, that Hillary Clinton is not a very pleasant person. Not an... And he went to Guy Ritchie's wedding by himself, I know. Where's she? She's always working, but you think, actually, all work... You know, and no play makes Victoria a very dull person. You know, they should be doing more as a family, but they're not. By the time they actually get to that age where they're going to enjoy it, she's going to be so crippled with arthritis. She's get, Because she's so stick-thin. There's nothing, you know, it's, and you think to yourself, come on, go out as a family. But they don't, unless it's a photo opportunity again. And Hillary Clinton... It's very interesting. Mr. Mr. Kessler is an investigative journalist. He claims that Mr. Clinton has a blonde mistress who is security detail, nicknamed Energizer. He says it's not a marriage at all. It's a fake. Everything about Hillary. Big show. She treats agents and others less powerful than herself with contempt. Oh, I'm led to believe she's she's absolutely dreadful. Who is it that we had in who hated Hillary Clinton? Absolutely hate. We had a guest in for In Conversation and she hated Hillary Clinton. Hated, hated her with a passion. She said, why does everybody do coverage on her? She's vile. And, of course, Hillary Clinton was the little woman at home. If you look at the change in Hillary Clinton over the years, the power makeup, the the way she walks into a room as if she knows what she's talking about, or as, in fact, she spouts garbage. But America seemed to sort of, well, they don't like her, and yet she gets loads of coverage. The other day we had a story, did we not, of Hillary Clinton when she went to get her hair cut or coloured or whatever she has done with it, or perhaps she could have sent it in in a box. And uh, and then and they, they closed a part of the department store for her. You think, who is she? She's Hillary Clinton. Bill Clinton. I'm quite sure they have an arranged marriage. There's probably lo- I could probably sit here and I could, I could talk about loads of people who have what I call an arranged marriage. In other words, the marriage is there for, for the children or for the benefit of the press or something like that or for the brand. But away from that, they have separate lives. They have separate lives. They, they do what they want to do. But in, in the case of, of the Beckhams, she's still trying to market her brand and obviously faffs around all over the world, whereas he sort of sits at home and then he, then he gets on a bicycle and goes to the gym. Then he goes to... What did he go and see the other day? Willy Wonka with Gordon Ramsay. Then he appeared to go to Guy Ritchie's wedding all by himself. He doesn't actually seem to have any, any friends. You would have thought David Beckham, would you not, would have the biggest you know, array of friends that you could that you could ever have. You know, everybody wants to be friends with Beckham. The trouble is, he doesn't have conversation. He d- she's the one who has the conversation. If you want proof, look back and watch the Michael Parkinson interview where he's sitting there with Victoria Beckham being in- interviewed, I think, by Parkey, and she does all the talking. He just sits there and grins 
every so often and doesn't really sort of chip in. So she does it all. I think she's always been the spokesman. And that's why I think he actually stays with her because she's the one who um, who makes him look better. But uh, when he watches interviews, it, it is a bit like pulling teeth. It really is. It's not so great. Uh, more on, oh dear, more people who've been shooting animals. Uh, would you not like me to tell you that Prince Philip shot a tiger? Would you not want me to tell you that in 2004 Prince Harry shot a water buffalo and is pictured with it? I told you before, the royal family, their hunting, shooting and fishing family, that's what they do. When Prince Philip shot his uh, tiger, uh, it was not illegal at the time. Uh, Prince Harry in 2004, why you'd want to do something like this, I can't imagine. You wouldn't find Prince William doing that, would you? I cannot see Prince William, because he's much more of the softer side. I should imagine he has probably liquid soap in the bathroom. I don't see him having a bar of Wright's cold tar, whereas I think Harry will probably just have a dirty old flannel in the bathroom. I don't know why. That's the way I think about things. But uh, here is Prince Harry pictured with the water buffalo. He uh, he killed on a hunt in South, South America. This was in 2004. Not so good, is it? It's quarter past five. <laughs> 5.20, Nick and the team with you from 7 o'clock this morning. 50 children a day, 50, are suspended because of attacking their teachers. What's wrong with the children and how do we fix it? Are the teachers to blame? And we hear about the children's charity at the centre of a sex abuse investigation. Nick will have the latest on the big getaway, especially if you're going to France. Nick and the team at 7, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Paper reviewer today, Andrew Pierce, consultant editor for the Daily Mail. Thank you, everybody, for remembering. It was Jackie Mason who was the one who was not uh, interested at all in Hillary Clinton. I think he called her trashy. Somebody called her trashy which I thought was very interesting. And uh, so thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you to uh, to Kenneth as well and to loads of other people who told me it was uh, Jackie. I couldn't. I just knew it was an American. I couldn't remember who it was, actually. And Steve says, that Charlotte from Geordie Shaw desecrated somebody's grave by confessing to having sex in a cemetery. But that's OK. Yes. I mean, I, I, I've, anybody from Geordie Shaw, I just think, I just think people who have a, a limited intelligence. I was watching Googlebox the other night are there two versions of it? Are there two? Because I was watching a version which had every four-letter word under the sun on it. Every... F- I couldn't believe what I was watching. In fact, when I... F- it's pre-watered. Oh, right. When I was watching it, I was sort of... And I, then I sort of got up to do something, but I could hear the conversation going on. And I was listening to them talk about it and thinking, is this actually on television? Are they broadcasting this? They were being rude about everything. All these, you know, attention-seeking nobodies on the television discussing television programme. The two fake black ladies. You know, it's just so funny. It's so... <laughs> they're just getting on my nerves. Then there's the drunk pair who are sort of, you know, sort of upper class and they always seem to be drunk. And then there's sort of this family from hell who are sort of absolutely gross, complaining about people being drunk on the streets. It was just awful. Absolutely awful. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So uh, when I watch all these people, I think I'm... um I think I'm more than justified to decide I don't want to see something like this on my television. I've become obviously a little bit prudish, although I'd love to do a programme like this where you could actually swear at the people that you talk about. Phil says uh, Prince William does indeed enjoy killing animals, and he's found an article in uh, The Guardian. He went hunting the day before a wildlife appeal. He went on a deer and wild boar hunting trip in Spain. I mean, there's no suggestion that, of course, the hunting trip was anyway illegal, but critics have suggested that the timing of the holiday was a little bit poor. That's when, you know, William stood up and said, I'm going to get rid of all the uh, ivory in the royal collection. Obviously thinking out of the box there and not quite being aware of the fact that Her Majesty the Queen said, you're not touching any of my stuff, sonny boy, and you'll curb your mouth in future. 
Anyway, apparently a royal spokesman says this will be somebody in there trying to do damage limitation. The Duke of Cambridge has for many years been a passionate advocate for endangered wildlife and has campaigned tirelessly to help stop the illegal poaching of rhino horn and elephant tusk. His track record in this area speaks for itself. Yes, so it's all right to kill some wild boar and some deer. That's all right, is it? OK. As far as I'm concerned, killing is killing is killing. 84850, steve at uk. Hillary Clinton's... Um, <laughs> a bit like Tom Cruise in the English football team, says Jack the Trucker. The latter will never win the World Cup, nor Oscar, and the former will never become the US president. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it too much at the moment. It's all looking a bit, uh, a bit strange over there. Uh, eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. Lots of people have uh, written to Dr. Walter Palmer, and um, <laughs> he's uh, he's not, he's sort of semi-apologised. He's, he said he thought it was all above board. Well, surely, if you're enticing an animal out with meat attached to a truck, and the clue is here, it's got a collar on. It's got a collar on, which means that it's able to be tracked. It's protected. It's got a collar on. He can't be that stupid, can he? I have a feeling he can. I did say, when this story first broke, that uh, his business will collapse, and I shall be heartily glad... I'd be heartily glad to see everybody else's business collapse who go out and do things like this. But that would make me seem mean and unfair. You know, mind you, I am the person who advocates bringing back hanging. I don't see it as a deterrent. I firmly accept the fact that I don't think hanging is a deterrent at all. Because otherwise, in countries where they've got the death penalty, you know, people still commit crimes. In Iran, it's illegal to be gay. They hang people who are gay. And, uh, And I think that ISIS actively hunt out gay people so they can throw them off the top of buildings. Whereas, in fact, I'd be more actively seeking out the ISIS members who are paedophiles and throwing them from the top of buildings. That would be, that would be my answer to it. Going through the, Sorry, you sleep with a what? A 12-year-old off the top of the building. Straight away. No hesitation. No hesitation. It's such double standards, isn't it, really? Uh, Jackie Mason says, Eamon, who has a loathing of Hillary Clinton, did he ever, did, did he ever have a loathing? <gasps> he, he went on to that completely. Uh, yes, I do remember, says uh, Gary. I do. Re- sorry, he's asking me, do I remember? And I do. Curtis Woodhouse, who is the footballer turned boxer. He was so sick of a troll, he decided to find out where he lived. He went to the road where he lived, took pictures and asked people what house the troll lived in. And then the troll started squealing like a baby. A lot more detail on the story on the internet. Yes, I, I remember it vividly, because he then went on television and the troll had to eat humble pie. I'd have put him in the ring with him, wouldn't you? I'd have loved to have seen that. It's amazing how, once you find these trolls and you expose them, it's very easy to, uh, to drag them out screaming, because they, they, they've all got some sort of illness, haven't they? And we have to get them sorted out as quickly. Well, says Noreen, celebrity big brother, what a line-up! Exclamation mark. I've heard of Daniela Westbrook. Think I know who Janice Dickinson is, and that's it. I used to watch The Ordinary Big Brother, even went to an eviction. It was the Jade year, and the eviction was between Alex Sibley and Tim, who went in late and used to pluck his chest hair. Tim was evicted, not watched for years. Alex Sibley still writes to me now. Alex is a completely different person. Completely different. He, I think he admits on his blog he's, he's a Z-less celebrity. <laughs> but I think he has a radio programme, and uh, he listens to mine on the way into going to do his radio programme. Now, listen, have I got this next one wrong? Have I got this next story wrong? I don't know. Martine McCutcheon is launching her first fas- fashion range, which will be aimed at plus-size women. Now, I've known Martine for years... I knew her when she was big in EastEnders, then she came out of EastEnders after they killed off Tiffany, and she goes into My Fair Lady, which she didn't manage to do very many of, uh, because she was ill, prompting Cameron McIntosh to say, 
that um, he'd never work with her ever again. Whereas she she could have had a great career in the West End, but it, the, the show was quite demanding for it. It was at Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Anyway, uh, she's 39. She said she wanted to make clothes for women of all shapes and sizes. Well, she's not making them. I'm quite close. She's not sitting down with a sewing machine, is she? They'll be made somewhere. She signed a deal with an online retail fashion world. The collection will be able... Uh, available in sizes 12 to 32. Martine says, most importantly, I wanted to create a range that women of all shapes and sizes can wear with confidence. In other words, it's just designed to part you from money. That's all it is, because you girls will buy anything, won't you? I've seen you on the television programmes. I've seen you on Ideal World, where the majority of their income is from women's clothing. QVC, makeup, I would think, and women's clothing. Wait for that. Now, this is where I have to take issue. This is where I have to take issue. Angela Spindler, chief executive of the group which owns Fashion World, says, Martine is a great example of a woman who juggles work and family life, something our customers can relate and aspire to. She's a bankrupt, by the way. Let's just point this out, shall we? Martine McCutcheon is a bankrupt. She's not a great example of a woman who juggles work and family life. She doesn't have any work. That's why she was bankrupt. Why do you have to explain this to people? All this this woman is trying to do is trying to get you to buy more oversized fashions. Whereas, in fact, you must be swamped out there. Swamped with fashions, girls. There's not enough for men. There's loads for you girls at all. But Martine's a great example of a woman who juggles work and family life. Cobblers. Absolute drivel. Where do you get this from? She's a bankrupt. She's a bankrupt. It's just absolutely ridiculous. The stuff. Perhaps they think we've got very short memories. Or perhaps they don't know either. I don't know. Oh, dear. Bring the borders back, says uh, Dupec in Twickenham. Ask all the immigrants to leave, reset the system, and then invite those who qualify. We'd have enough jobs, housing for everyone, and prisons would not be overflowing. Well, they're ridiculous at the moment, aren't they? The worst thing is in the prisons. What did they say the other day? More Muslims in prison than anybody else. 12,000 of uh, current people residing at Her Majesty's pleasure, though it can't be much pleasure for her, are Muslims. Quite clearly, somebody's fallen off the wagon on quite a few occasions. The asylum seekers trying to get to the country. The people who are arriving at Heathrow having destroyed their passports. They're crooks. They're all crooks. They're not facing, you know, persecution. You remember that classic story, don't you, a short while ago, of somebody who quite clearly been coached by somebody. We, uh, we throw him out of the country because he's illegal. He's failed about 300 tests and everything else. And they try and get him out. We've even got murderers, rapists and paedophiles who are allowed to stay here and they're not even in prison. It's because it might affect their human rights if we send them home. I'm saying let's offend their human rights. Let's send them home. This bloke arrives back at the airport, then suddenly remembered he was gay and they couldn't send him back. You thought he'd remember that first time round, wouldn't you? Sitting there with a load of butch men in uniform heading out to the airport. You've kind of remembered you'd be gay because you'd be looking at them, wouldn't you? Uh, Linda says, I'd love to see you on Big Brother. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I never see it, but if you were on it, I would and you would win. No, I wouldn't. I would hate it. I would hate every minute of it. And the reason is, A, I can, I've always categorised it quite simply. I don't need the money which is a nice position to be in. And secondly, why would you want to put yourself through that? You'd be sitting there thinking, I wish these people would go away and die. I don't, I don't want to sit with these boys. You imagine being stuck in a room with Daniela Westbrook. I mean, even, even the thought of it now brings me out in a cold sweat. Being stuck in a room with Janice Dickinson, those two old has-beens from The X Factor. I'd be looking at them. I'd be the one hiding behind the door. Like Alex Sibley going, get me out of here, they're mad. They're all mad as... Br-. And that would be the bit that would be played back. What did Steve Allen say today? He's behind the door talking to himself again, which, of course, I do for a living. I do talk to myself for a living. Just me and a microphone and a few lights and a few computers and a producer who sits there thinking, oh, God, he's off again. He's having one of his moments. 
But I, I, I would hate it. I just really... It would not be my sort of thing at all. I think you've got to be a sort of person to do it, and I'm not that person. Much happier sitting here, thank you very much indeed. The idea of letting people... And also people watching you in the shower. No, thank you. You wouldn't want that inflicted on you, I promise you. It's uh, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Can you believe... Can you believe the story I'm going to tell you? This appears in the, uh, the Daily Mail today on page 33, and it's a police officer... He was sacked the other day because he was caught smoking cannabis in his police car. I mean, I, I laugh at the sheer stupidity of the man. This is PC Kirk Van Nierkirk, who was supposed to be searching for a missing person uh, when he was caught using the drugs in the early hours of the morning. He was caught after a colleague noticed a pungent smell wafting from the car, and I then reported him. Nierkirk, a married father of one, denied smoking cannabis, but after a test, it was discovered he had been smoking cannabis. Honestly, this is a police officer. The chief constable of Birmingham, which is Dave Thompson, says he potentially put the public at risk. Well, of course he did. I mean, can you imagine, though, you're out on a thing and you decide to smoke a cannabis cigarette? I mean, surely, if you're a non-smoker, you can smell cigarettes, can't you? You can smell cigarettes on somebody. You know, if, if, if I don't smoke and I go out with somebody who does smoke, I can smell it. And I would certainly smell it if, if, it, was, if it was cannabis, because it just smells like old socks. But, I mean, to be a police officer behind the wheel of your car, you're out looking for somebody, and you smoke cannabis, and the other officer goes, I can smell cannabis, so he reports him, which obviously, you have to do it. It's not like sneaking or telling tales out of school, is it? And so he then sort of reports him. He then denies it. The first, first copper denies it and says, no, 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 I wasn't, uh, wasn't smoking cannabis. So they give him a test and discovers he was smoking cannabis. And so they, they fire him. They have to fire him from the, from the force. It's the, it's, it's the best thing. I mean, I, I can't understand how he was even there in the first place. What does that mean? Sorry, I'm just pointing out something there. Oh, there you go. I was going to do that, but then I thought, no. So simple when it's all been explained to you, ladies and gentlemen. What is it with America, says Philip? I don't know. That is a big question. What is it with America? Over 100,000 people have protested against the shooting of Cecil and demanded the dentist's extradition to Zimbabwe. If he'd shot a classroom full of high school students instead, nobody in the US would have even raised an eyebrow. Well, they seem to have that on a regular basis, don't they? It's animals, though, and I can tell you now, the one thing that upsets the public more than anything, apart from even the loss of human life, is the loss of an animal life. The difference is, somebody was trying to explain it to me the other day, and... Now, what were they talking... They were sort of saying about, you know, shooting people and everything else. And I said, yes, but these people are aware of what might be happening to them. When we had that person in this country who stood up and uh, attacked his teacher and, uh, and knifed her to death in the classroom, you know, people could sit there and watch it. If you're an animal, you've got no idea. You're just wandering, doing your daily business. And the next minute, some crackpot dentist has fired a crossbow into you. And... And all you think is, it's pain. I've seen them doing it when they have to bring down rhinoceroses, rhinoceri, to, to fly them off to different parts of the country. And they have to dart them and bring them down. Then they've got to roll them onto a, a mattress. Then they've got to helicopter them off and, and do things like that. In the case of Cecil the Lion and all the other animals, they, they were just going out for their normal day-to-day -day work. They don't know that. Whereas if somebody's stalking you, you know somebody's stalking you. You know that it's, it's going to happen. So... That's why I, I sort of say that in the case of Cecil, and it's nothing new. Don't ever think that killing animals is new. They've been doing it. I've got pictures of, of the royal family doing it back in India when they went on their tiger hunts on the top of elephants and stuff like that. Through the, through the long grasses, people go hunting. They do it. 
They do it. Is it any different going to war? Yes, of course it is, because the people going to war at least have an idea that there is a chance that they could be shot. Animals don't think about that. They've got no idea. They don't know what it is. They're just going out for the day. And all of a sudden they know that they've got some, some pain. They don't know what it is. And it's some bloke who then finishes them off with a shotgun. I mean, it's, it's just tragic. It's like animals who are caught in traps, which they do. And they have to try and stop in the, in the big parks in the Serengeti. They have to stop people trapping animals, which turns out to be a loop of wire. And what they do is the animal trackers are very clever because they, uh, they know the routes that the elephants take or, the, or the, the buffalo, whatever it happens to be. The animal puts its uh, leg in the noose, its foot, and the noose tightens up. And the animal can't get away from it. And in the end, animals have been known to gnaw their legs off to try and get away from this thing which is biting in. I mean, it's just it's a tragic death. It really is absolutely awful. So that's why animal lovers everywhere are saying, as indeed they did when they discovered they were killing dogs in China. And they have a dog meat festival. We see a dog as a, as a pet. They actually saw it as a food source. Which was I was watching Joan Rivers on uh, some chat show in America, obviously a little while ago now. And she was talking about going to China and eating dog and all that kind of stuff. She was obviously going into one of her one of her routines. But uh, interesting, nevertheless. Inter- that's why people are up in arms over it. Because he seems to absolutely have revelled in the fact that he was killing an animal. You know, we do it at the fun fair, don't we? We have a moving target and you go, Psh, and you, you hit it and it falls over, or you don't hit it. In the case of animals, it's a case of you hit it and it falls over because it's dead. And that's why people don't, don't like it. People are animal lovers nowadays. You wouldn't think so, would you? The amount of animals that get abandoned every year. But laughingly, we are called animal lovers. We don't like to see animals having pain inflicted on them. And to actually go out and, and kill a lion is, you know, a lion with a collar on it. You know, perhaps he's blind as a dentist. Perhaps he's blind. This weekend, it's in conversation. It's every weekend between 5 and 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Just to get you into the day, we invite another couple of well-known celebrities into the studio. This week is no different. My first guest is fit. She's super fit. She's a choreographer and she is quite remarkable for her age. She's over... <laughs> well, anyway, she's over... No, she tells you anyway. She's over 70. It's Arlene Phillips. So I start off by asking her what the secret is. How does she do it? Oh, my partner's uh, mother, almost 87, she still goes out every day to help the old ladies. <laughs> she does a lot of charity work. She'll stand for hours in the rain for amnesty. She's walks every day, she gardens, she visits old houses, and she doesn't feel old. I don't know what feeling old is. I remember somebody saying to me years ago, oh, you're going to be lonely when you get old if you don't have a partner. I said, no, Mm. believe you me, (laughs) I'm never lonely, never (laughs) lonely. No shortage of people to be with. And also, I don't know what the definition of age is. I've always played my age down and made a joke Mm. about I'm only 39 plus that. Because, Because you see a number and you think, it is just a number. We're living a lot better nowadays. We're eating better. We drink it. You, I said, you want some water? No, I've got water, she <laughs> said. We take water with us yes, everywhere. We water. We, we're, we are fitter. We exercise. And most of the people of my age who, is, who are in relatively good health, I mean, I'm 72, have got life just beginning planning all the things they're going to do, all the exciting things ahead of them. Yes. And, I, and age is a number, which is why I always tell people my age, because that is the number of years I have been on earth. <laughs> However, inside, I often say, when am I going to grow up? When am I going to act like a proper grown-up? 
I agree. I don't know what... Uh, somebody said to me once at school, I remember years ago, they said, you know, why don't you grow up? And I said, I don't know what growing up is. As I got a bit older, I became a little bit more, more quick off the mark. And somebody said, why don't you act your age? I said, if, you act, if I acted my age, you'd be talking to a pile of dust. It's as simple as that. What is, what is the, you know, are you supposed to get to a certain age as a man or a woman? And then all of a sudden you change your wardrobe. Out go all the, you know, the big Larry shirts. Out go, and you start wearing sort of button-down collars and looking like a reject from a Hovis advert. I don't know. I have no idea. But uh, I'm with her. For 72, she looks absolutely fantastic. So you get more of Arlene Phillips this Sunday morning. My second guest, a proud nerd and very, very successful. He is Simon Pegg. So I start off by asking him about his new film, which is absolutely anything. This is the last film that Robin Williams voiced. We talk about screenwriting for Star Trek, all the while maintaining a normal family life. It's extraordinary, yeah. Uh, Terry Jones, uh, who is the director and co-writer, just um, wanted to populate it with a, a sort of cavalcade of comedy... Uh, stars, so it was yeah, an amazing uh, assemble of assembly of people, and there are pe- other people in there that sort of um, do voices and stuff, um, other sort of luminaries from the comedy world who I don't think have been announced yet, so that's all to look look out for. Yes, I'm I'm not sure if I want to run through the whole cast, and tell everybody <laughs> that. It, but it's it's literally it's a who's who. Of everybody you could put. When I first looked at it, I thought, "Good God, this must have cost an absolute fortune to put together." I think with with Terry at the helm, it was um, as much about people wanting to do it. You know, yes. it wasn't like anyone had to be had their arm twisted. It was um, it was a, a joy to work with him. Terry Jones is, is such a lovely man. Yes. My, Michael Palin always gets the the props as being the loveliest Python, but I, I think uh, oh, t- he he plays it down. Believe you me, if you <laughs> say to him, "But you are the nicest." Oh, person, I know he says, hates Stop it! it. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it now! But but uh, <laughs> Terry similarly is is such a gentleman, you know, yeah. and and a pleasure to work for. So, uh, because a lot of it was was voice work, you don't get to see the people, do you? They just they come in as voices. Yeah, I mean, the, certainly um, the other Python boys and um, uh, uh, and Robin, uh, his his contribution was all done via voice. So those guys were never on set. I mean, I'm, I've, I've met them obviously. He's really nice, really really nice, Simon Pegg. Uh, we did the interview such a long time ago. We had to hold it off because of the release of the film. So you get more from Simon Pegg and more from Arlene Phillips this Sunday morning on LBC for In Conversation with Steve Allen. That's between 5 and 6 a.m. Then I'm live between 6 and 8 with the Sunday papers, God and Cyclist Willing. And then In Conversation repeated on Sunday evening at 9 o'clock. And it's available as a download as well. Uh, Chris says, I agree. Although it's Walter's staff, this is the the dentist, who will probably suffer. He should make a substantial donation to an animal charity. See, I mean, I whilst I agree with you, I keep thinking, how much compensation would be applicable? How much money could he pay? And all the other people who've been out and shot at, he's shot 47, remember? He's got 47 trophies. I should imagine the walls of his house must look like an abattoir. Ghastly. Uh, Jenny says, you make me smile every morning. Well, there you go. That's always a good thing to do, isn't it? We quite like, uh, we quite like people who smile. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's every morning or just once a week, which is good. And Michael says, if you went on Big Brother, it would be like watching John McCrick with less hair. Yes, and marginally more entertaining, I think you'll find. Marginally more entertaining. There's, there's not much chance, you know, really, of John McCrick being entertaining. I mean, he is, he is well past his sell-by, poor soul. Uh, the other story which was uh, running in the papers today, I'm not sure if it's true or not. It's of Giselle uh, Bunchen. Uh, she went for a trip to a plastic surgery. They reckon she turned up in a full burqa. Now, whether or not it's her, we don't know, because we can't lift the burqa up and have a look. And it reminds me, yesterday, I'm walking back through Twickenham and walking out of Burger King, I think it was Burger King, are two women in full burkas in Twickenham, in daylight. And I have to be honest, I looked at them thinking, 
Why are you wearing that? You don't need to wear it. There is nowhere in the Quran that it says you have to wear the full burqa. It says you just dress modestly. This ridiculous, ridiculous outfit, which is shameful for women, you know, should have been outlawed ages ago. France got the right idea. One of the few things they actually did that was uh, that was right. You know, you can't see the person under it. Some of them go out with children. These two are out fully burqa up in Twickenham in the year 2015. And I'm thinking the world has gone mad, ladies and gentlemen, quite mad. Jan Moyer talks about that and also talks about she rode elephants in India. She petted koalas in Australia and stroked a leopard in Thailand. You know where this story is going. What did these poor animals do to deserve the attention of the British holidaymaker Cheryl Brooks? And speaking of dumb creatures, what about us taxpayers? After all, we've paid for this old grandmother to travel the world with her civil partner, Margaret, and we won't get a penny back. Brooks is a benefit fraudster. She falsely claimed £36,000, including housing benefit, council tax benefit, employment support allowance. She dishonestly obtained the cash... But in a Manchester court this week, and it's all emanating from Manchester at the moment, a judge gave her a suspended sentence and she had to pay over £2,000 in costs. Why was she not chucked in prison in order to repay all the money? This isn't scrounging, it's theft. She's a thieving, thieving person. She's a fraudster. She needs to be pilloried. Her next-door neighbours need to shun her, write benefit fraudster all over her house and pelt her with rotten fruit. That's what they need to do. But, uh, as I say, she's just the tip of the iceberg. There's loads of other people. But why is it that the courts are not jailing these people? This is theft on a huge scale. They're thieving from us. So when your mother or your auntie or your uncle goes into hospital, they go, I'm terribly sorry, we can't afford to treat them. Too many benefit fraudsters in this area. What are you going to do? Sit back and go, oh, at least you got a free holiday. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Just look at the television. Donald Trump in a suit with a baseball cap on. Make America great again. The trouble is, he's such an old man now. And also because he does the comb over with the hair. Presumably, it looks even more... I mean, the, I wouldn't mind, but the baseball cap is ridiculous. It's really bad, isn't it? That's why he's wearing it. Uh, so, who's, who's Paul Bacon? You know who Paul Bacon is, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know Paul Bacon? You might not. Paul Bacon makes a very good living as an Elton John impersonator, the ultimate Elton performer, has even become friends with Elton's mother, Sheila. Uh, Sheila and Elton have not spoken for seven years. I think this is uh, because she might have dissed his uh, his boyfriend, husband, whatever he is. Um, and so now they don't they don't speak. So Sheila's become very friendly with Paul Bacon. Now she's going to attend his debut show in London's West End. I don't know if Elton is embarrassed, writes Jan Moyer by the antics of his uh, lonely mum, but he should be. Yes, I mean, I always think it's so sad when people don't talk. The other thing, just going back briefly to the burqa and Giselle, who, as I say, we don't know if it is Giselle in a full burqa, turning up at the Clinique des Parcs Monceau to get some work done on their faces. I mean, I'm hoping, I mean, should we all hope and pray that it isn't Giselle who's going into a cosmetic surgery clinic in a full burqa because she doesn't want to be recognised? You know why I hope it's not Giselle? Because she has in the past voiced her disapproval of cosmetic procedures. I mean, how embarrassing for Giselle if it turns out she was a secret devotee of the dark art of beauty after all. Gosh. I mean, I'm hoping it's not you, Giselle. And also, women who take more care picking a sofa than the father of their children is Jan Moy's favourite topic today. She talks about Kenzie Kilpatrick. 
Kenzie Kilpatrick has been hailed as a hero in some circles, a saviour, a begetter of children, a keeper of dreams. Over the past years, the gay 26-year-old has fathered ten children by nine women. Most of them are lesbians who wanted to be mothers but obviously encountered an understandable difficulty in the conception department. Kenzie was happy to oblige to do the needful. He gave his sperm free of charge to women he met through Facebook, bless him. He wanted to help these total strangers fulfil their dreams of being mothers, to bequeath upon them the gift of parenthood, no strings attached. The deal was that if they didn't demand money for the child's upkeep, he wouldn't demand access. Easy peasy, an arrangement less complicated than adopting a gerbil or renting a Boris bike. So all parties signed a contract. He got off the internet... And that was that. For this selfless gift of life, all he wanted were overnight expenses and perhaps the feeling that he'd put a little good back into a world which had gone bad for him. And now somewhere out in the badlands of the Midlands, he started a little Kenzie dynasty. Hero? Not from where I'm sitting, says Jan Moyer. I'd say he's a complete idiot. An irresponsible one at that. He might like to consider, consider and convince himself he's only a donor, but he's a father ten times over with ten little people directly related to him growing up in the world. This is something he's publicly admitted to and, I would argue, is morally responsible for, even if his name is not on the birth certificate. The mothers are little better. In fact, in many respects, they're worse. Ladies, if you're in the market for a sperm donor, wouldn't you try a bit harder than rushing into an arrangement with the first bloke you came across on the internet? Kenzie might indeed be a lovely person, but with the best will in the world, an unemployed former carer who suffers from depression is hardly at the top of anybody's sperm donor shopping list. Yes, a woman could go to a nightclub, meet a psychopath and become pregnant within hours, and some do, but they can't they at least try for the best start in the life for their babies. It's very interesting because it's exactly what we said on the programme before. Far from being clever, he's irresponsible. And you wait till this starts backfiring a few years down the line because if he suffers from depression, God knows something's going to be clicking somewhere here and it ain't going to be for the good, I'm afraid. Seven minutes to six. More of your texts and emails all the way from uh, Tony in South Africa. We have the ITV Choice Channel, which means we're a few days behind the UK with Corrie. This week... We had the ham acting scenes of Sarah Harding. Her car crash acting had us falling around the room. All those hand and arm movements and face movements. The producers need to get their act together as they seem to bring in, or they want to bring in, Z-listers with no talent. Well, the good news is that they're not bringing the character back. I think they've finally realised, and with enough pressure from the media and the TV critics saying this is the dumbing down of a soap that has a tradition of putting really good acting on there. To put somebody on there who gets uh, column inches in a newspaper with no talent at all, I think is possibly the biggest mistake they've ever made of their life. So uh, the producers have said, no, uh, we'll not be bringing back the character. So good news there. So we wait to see the next exciting venture in Sarah Harding's shallow existence in the world of entertainment. So a complete failure in the acting department. So you don't have to see that anymore, Tony. I mean, to be honest with you, her accent was out of kilter. She didn't have the faintest idea. As far as I know, she's had no experience of acting. She had a couple of little minor roles, one in... Uh, some film which died on its proverbial. And I th- was it Run for Your Wife? It can't have been. Anyway, uh, the other one was, of course, the St. Trinian's thing. Again, it's, she's quite old now, Sarah Harding. She's practically getting ready to push the boat out for retirement. Uh, and because she had to commit herself so much to Coronation Street, she then did another story on the fact that her boyfriend and her had, had finished. Well, now she'd get back together with him because there's nothing else in the diary. The music career will not be taking off, I shouldn't think. I mean, who would buy... Who would seriously buy a Sarah Harding record, album or anything else? 
It's ridiculous. Uh, Steve, apparently Iceland, says Terry, has a Greg's cabinet where you can buy four Greg's sausage rolls for one sixty-five. Thirty 30 minutes in the oven, they are delicious. Really? Yes, I do. yes they do sell that, don't they? They do sell the, uh, the Greg's range. <laughs> oh, dear. And uh, Paul in Boreham Wood says the strange Walter Dentist kills 47 wild animals. Hope he didn't let them all suffer for 40 hours. Can't imagine anything worse. To have as a dentist. Glad his dental practice is collapsing. Well, there's people camped outside there now. And outside his house as well. It's it's not not looking not looking good. Not looking good at all, I'm afraid, for him. But there again, he was the one I can't remember how it started. Did it start because he tweeted pictures of it, or did it start because people were going, wait a minute, this is Cecil, this is a protected lion. That's why he's got a collar on. That's why he's got a collar on. You can't shoot animals like that. He must have realised that. He must have he must have seen it. Somebody somewhere is uh, telling porky pies, I think. Uh, you must get hold of last night's episode of Traffic Cops. New series, says Mike. The guy caught in a stolen car that was a scam was brilliant. But the bloke caught in the car with good shoplifted from M&S. Yes, you'd have had him hanged there and then by the roadside. I know. I, I, as you know, I've admitted in the past that I, I can't go uh, and look at people in Marks and Spencers now too often because I see shoplifters. The moment they walk in the door, I know that they're going to shoplift. They hang around a shelf too long, staring at sort of uh, sandwiches. You know they're going to shoplift one. They're going to pick it up and walk out the back of the store. I mean, I personally want to have a taser with me all the time. I think that would make it more interesting. And uh, uh, Mo says, I worry when I see women in full burkas driving. And they've only got a little tiny uh, thing to see through. I've even seen some drive where the slit is covered by lace. Yes. Uh, Steve. It is not ridiculous to wear the burqa. It's a choice, an act of worship. Oh, Codswallop, it's not. It doesn't say you have to wear it. You know, they, they, they quite clearly want to wear it. Somebody says, I wear it by choice. It's ridiculous. It makes you look stupid. Don't wear it. It makes women look oppressed. I don't want to see women looking oppressed. I thought, we'd, you know, we've had the vote in this country now. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. You know, there are modern Muslims nowadays, modern people, you know, dress modestly. You don't need to wear a full burqa. Wear it by choice. I don't believe a word of you. I think you're telling porcupines. You can always tell when people tell fibs. Because you wouldn't be listening to this programme at this time of the morning. You'd be doing prayers, wouldn't you? I would have thought, if you were half decent. Uh, Steve, I watched a great film uh, last night. The remake of Born Free. Virginia McKenna looking good. I like I like the Born Free films. I love the Born Free films. I thought they were absolutely fan fantastic. And uh, David says, "Oh no, sorry. Oh, he sent this to to, to Darren. Good lord, it's only just got through at the moment. A little bit late, isn't it?" Uh, Steve, it's Google. Sorry, Gogglebox, not Google. It's a dreadful program. But um, I was right, wasn't I? That there there are obviously two versions. There are, there are two versions. One is the, the version that's got all the swearing in it, which I hate, and the other is the other version, which I hate them anyway. <laughs> uh, Steve, are you kidding me? Can you explain how people like her get away with benefit fraud? It makes me so mad. Yeah, well, I, I can imagine, actually. I can imagine it must make you a little bit mad. Um, I want to... Uh, you know, I've got some agoraphobia. I've got other health issues. But the, uh, the job centre had no hesitation in actually cutting my benefit. Well, she got away with it for ages. The, the only problem is, I don't have a problem with her having benefits if she's entitled, but of course she wasn't. She was scamming them. And that's what, uh, that's what happens, you know, when you, when you have somebody who scams, they get away with it. And of course she was just spending it all on holidays. She was laughing. I'd have had her thrown into prison immediately. Kids put in care 
and uh, and definitely, definitely, definitely in in prison. And I'd have put her in there for two years. And that's that, that has to be the deterrent. At the moment, there is no deterrent for benefit fraud. Absolutely nothing at all. Seriously, there isn't. And I'm, it worries me that there isn't that there isn't some sort of deterrent that so stops people doing it. But because it's so easy. Because the staff in the benefit offices are just sort of handing out money willy-nilly, sometimes to people they know. They know when it's, when it's uh, cheating. They know when it's cheating. And that's why I think we have to, have to come down hard on the benefit office as well. I can tell just by looking at people. I really can. And uh, Steve, when it comes to poor acting, ITV could kill two birds with one stone by having Sarah Harding and Nick Tilsley run off together. Perhaps he could close down the bistro at the same time. That is a very odd storyline, isn't it? But no, Sarah Harding... I think we've had quite enough. Thank you very much indeed. You've dragged your uh, little bit of fame from Girls Allowed out for a long time. We've seen you caned most of the time in the gutter, face down, rehab, out, boyfriend story, no boyfriend story, film story, no film story, recording, no film, no recording, no nothing. It's all a bit tragic, really, isn't it? And that's for a woman. What is she, 37 now? No, she can't be 37, can she? Difficult to tell. Difficult to tell. The Apprentice stars Stuart uh, Baggs in the papers today, dead at the age of 27. It's that... Mysterious 27 number. James Wood sues a Twitter troll for claiming that he was taking cocaine. He's suing him for six million. I mean, he won't get it, but he can put him through court and then we can laugh at the troll. It'll be somebody who looks perfectly normal, but you know deep inside they've got issues. The ultra-Orthodox Jew who injures six marchers at Pride. He's been uh, done for this sort of behaviour before. He's got some sort of issue somewhere. The, uh, the Calais mayor who says, I'm sending Britain a £35 million bill for damages. Grow up, silly mare. It's uh, the news next. I'm Steve Allen. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's the end of the month. It's the 31st of July. Very exciting, isn't it, really, being a Friday? And the weather's not too bad. The stories that are trending in the papers today, The Apprentice star, Stuart Baggs, dead at 27. No suspicious circumstances. Just went to a party, came back home, found dead the next morning. Uh, The Top Gear fans, bit dismayed as the show goes to an online service on Amazon. The crisis in Calais, it's a war zone. Have you noticed on the television, they're terribly well-dressed for people who trekked across mountains, swam across open sea, shark-infested rivers, and they look absolutely immaculate, like they've just been dressed by a designer company. The Calais mayor says, I'm going to send Britain a £35 million bill for damages. Well, if you hadn't cocked it up in the first place, madam, we wouldn't be looking at this mess, would we? Also, never a dull moment while Nancy Delusional is around. Yes, poor old Nancy. Nancy with the... No brain, I'm afraid. Uh, The worst patronising programme on television, How to Barbecue. I mean, how complicated is it to put a piece of meat on the barbecue? And they're going, steak. I've never been to a barbecue yet where somebody's put steak on a barbecue. We do chicken, we do uh, coffee and stuff like that, and we do sausages. Nobody does steak, unless it's really pretentious. Green tea can help you stay slim. I'd better start ordering some of that in. It's all going pear-shaped for kids' company. They seem to lurch from one disaster to another. Now... Apparently, there are allegations against a kid's company of historical sex offences. Nick Ferrari will look at that a little bit later on. Uh, the Facebook fanatics who are always on their telephone. Jamie Hintz used to be married to Kate Moss. He's pictured in the paper cozying up to a model who's so much younger than Kate Moss. Um, Morrissey claims he was groped by a guard at an airport. He was doing one of those searches. And uh, Christina Rihanna has not... Heeded my advice, which is zip it. 
zip it. Okay, nobody's interested in what you're talking about. Nobody cares about you, so uh, so just leave it. And uh, no mercy for speeders just over the limit. It's going to be zero tolerance, zero tolerance. And um, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I find that quite worrying, actually. Zero. To- I don't like zero tolerance. Uh, my friend Chris has been doing. Uh, a workout all this week. He's, he's training and he's, he's trying to get himself to be uh, uh, a fitness trainer because he's going to go and live in Spain and looking uh, looking forward to it. And uh, and Michael, the black cab poet, is uh, back with us again, which is good. So we're delighted to hear that. And uh, and Lenny says, uh, uh, what about see-throughs on a way to work to the burqa? Somebody told me that, that a few years ago they saw a nun driving a car. But it's not quite the same, is it, as the burqa? Well, well, I don't think it is. Oh, and by the way, you must pay your tax bill today. Your tax bill's got to be paid. This is it. Otherwise, there'll be fines. In fact, I think it should have been in by today, so you should really do it now. You can do it transferred online. I'm just sort of trying to uh, to let, let people know, just in case. I don't want to see people being fined. Uh, 84850, Steve at... Uh, lbc.co.uk and one here from uh, from 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 Jamie who says us disabled hate and always report benefit fraudsters much more than you the sad reality is for every pound defrauded eight pound is never claimed yes I mean it's it's people who you know and they always come up with the same excuse they always say the same thing they always go oh I forgot to inform you of my change of circumstances your change of circumstances what from being disabled to all of a sudden not being a disabled I mean, how on earth would you, how would you remember, you know, not to do things like that? And the answer is because they keep getting away with it. And then once they've done one year, they do two years. Once they've done two years, they do three. And then we go, oh, it's so you don't have to pay that all back again. I'd be around there stripping the house out, stripping the wallpaper off the walls. The settee's gone out. You can start again from scratch. Well, I want that £36,000 back. I didn't see Malcolm Britain sees red on television. Some spoilt brats throwing tra- tantrums. I couldn't cope with it. And, uh, Steve, I'm so sorry. Did Arlene Phillips say she was 72? Yep. She is 72. She is 72. She does not look it. And we talk about uh, elderly people and the attitude. I mentioned Barbara Windsor, who I think bar is 74. Well, pfft, seriously. She could, seriously, late 50s. Late 50s. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, some people are just very, very lucky. They do not seem to age. And I can tell you that bars have no work. No work. She might put skin cream on and things like that, but I don't think she's had any work at all. And, uh, Steve, I recently watched a Benny Hill Show DVD, and I recall noticing the name of your forthcoming in-conversation guest, Arlene Phillips, who is mentioned at the end credits as choreographer. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, she's been, she's been around for a, a, a while, actually. <laughs> she's been a while. When it comes to... Oh, somebody else talking about the poor acting. Uh, when it comes to the the poor acting, it is, I'm afraid, Sarah Harding each and every time. It's not looking good, is it? Perhaps she'll go and bury her head in the in the sand. Uh, 84850, uk. I'll run through the front pages of the papers because we only have about uh, 20, 20 minutes. And so I like to make sure that we get uh, everything in as quickly as possible. A lot of people remember... Oh, somebody, uh, Nigel says, uh, you just did a double meaning joke without realising, silly mare... Yes, I, I did, actually. In fact, as I did it, I thought to myself, good heavens above, I'd no idea I've even done my, my own joke. Everybody else going, are you sure she's 72? Yes, she's absolutely 72. Absolutely. Uh, Tony and Acton says, great show. The woman who lives over the road from me always wears a burqa whilst driving. I've seen a couple of people like that. Couple, we had one who used to, I used to think to myself, but you can't see to the side. 
That must be quite dangerous. That must be impaired driving, mustn't it? Front page of the Daily Mail. Why We All Fear Dentists and Natural Born Killers by Quentin Letts. Always love reading Quentin Letts. And as police see stowaway migrants across the South, cameras attack for likening them to insects. Uh, in Canterbury, uh, in Ashford, on the M20 in Kent, in Sussex. All these economic migrants that we don't want here. The swarm on our streets is the headline on the, uh, the Mail today. Uh, the green tea, which can help you to look slim or, you know, it's good for you. I was told when I came out of heart surgery, they said green tea is uh, is very good for you. And so I tried it and I thought it was absolutely horrible. I really didn't like it at all. Uh, Steve says, Doug, as I live and work in Kent, Operation Stack impacts on many people. How about the government simply diverting all the lorries onto the A2 and the M2 and park them up on the old uh, Manston Airport site? Plenty of room there and close enough to the motorway to reach Dover. Well, I mean, I've never seen so many lorries there. Have you, have you ever seen so many? Every time they, they show you on the, the television, it's absolutely unbelievable. There's, there's just, there seem to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them out there. Which is, uh, which is terrible. So they've got a snapshot in July of the snapshot across the southeast. Please say we just cannot cope. There's too many of them. And as I say, most of them are so, so well-dressed now because they haven't actually trekked across mountains or arrived in on a migrant boat. They've just literally walked through Calais. It's fairly simple. And some of them are armed as well. So in other words, once the French police start using tear gas, I should imagine some of these people here will... Um, will also start using weapons as well. I mean, what, what they've been doing for, to, to break into Britain, they just catch the bus. 50 each day board, a public, uh, board public transport from their camps to the Eurotunnel entrance, where they then scale fences. Just make the fences taller, then. Just make the fences taller. And I don't quite understand what the, uh, what the problem is. 23,000 people escaped the TV licence fee fines. And they were never convicted. Uh, I have a friend of mine who uh, works, used to work, collecting the uh, the licence fee, and he said it's absolutely impossible. They need to start clamping down, and they need to start making it a lot more serious, because people just say, oh, I, I, I just don't watch television. You think you're lying. You're lying. Uh, the Sun, apprentice legend, dead at 27. Uh, he called himself the legend. Uh, Kate's hubby's younger model. This is uh, Jamie Hintz. And... Um, Kate Moss's ex-boyfriend, Pete Doherty, apparently returned to his bad boy ways. I didn't even know he was still with us in this world. Is he there or is he elsewhere with the pixies? Who knows? Uh, poor old Pete Doherty, a man alone with his delusions, uh, sprayed a hotel in Ibiza. He spray-painted QPR in huge black letters on the poolside terrace. He painted his dressing room, ceiling walls and mirrors with messages, um, including as a friend, as a known enemy and I, I. He's quite clearly off with the fairies, isn't he, poor little soul, honestly. Never mind, dear, I'm sure you're happy in your total oblivion. Uh, front page of the Mirror this morning. Hunter gives Cecil's head to cops. This is the uh, the lion. And the police, who refuse to rescue a drowning boy, uh, they're not allowed to jump in. You wouldn't want to jump into this water here. If this uh, traumatised boy drowned in a canal, as police stood by and watched, they did throw all sorts of things out to him to try and get him. He didn't want to hang on to any of them. They threw life boys out, they threw rings, ropes, everything, and he, uh, he spurned them all. And it's way too dangerous, because if people are drowning, the one thing they will do is try and drag you down with them. So no police officer, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is going to put their life at risk for somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. 
6.20, Friday. So it's the weekend. You can put your feet up and go, yeah, weekend, let's enjoy it. Because tomorrow it's pinch and a punch for the first day of the month. A lot of people writing in saying that, uh, yes, you've just reminded us, Steve, we need to pay the tax bill. Uh, Lenny's going off to go and do some more... uh, some more rebuilding work, I should imagine. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. And then uh, somebody says, forget the pungent smell that the policeman's colleague, he should have been reported for smoking in a police car. As a place of work, smoking is strictly forbidden there, be it tobacco or cannabis. And um, a lot of people talking about uh, closing the Channel tullo, Tunnel. Lee and Bishop Stortford says, best thing I heard in a long time was from Nigel Farage yesterday. We may have to close the Channel Tunnel. Yes, that would sort of put the kibosh on it, wasn't it? And just close it down. Let's just say, I tell you what, let's go to suspend all services, brick it all up and leave it there for uh, for quite a, quite a while. Jason, birthday boy, says big thanks to Noreen for my birthday poem yesterday. And Mr Neil for the cake. Good Lord, there's no end to the generosity of people nowadays. Cakes and everything else. Fantastic. And if you're celebrating your birthday today, many happy returns of the day, ladies and gentlemen. I shall be the first one to uh, to wish you that. The Daily Express on the front page, crisis in Calais, a war zone, and it's the French police. I don't think you mess with the French police, do you? I think they're, uh, they're, they're, they're fairly sort of stoic. And now they're comparing it to a war... I mean, it's just got completely out of hand. So I think they're actually firing all sorts of things. Looks like pepper spray, I think. Uh, plus the Apprentice-style Stuart Baggs, dead at home, aged 27... Uh, the Calais mayor, of course, in a lot of the papers today, saying, I'm going to send Britain a, a bill for damages. Yeah, see you in court. Bye-bye. Uh, Eugenie, in the worst outfit I think anybody could ever wear. If you're plump, you do not put on a little short coat kind of thing, which is done up at the waist. It looks atrocious. Did you look in the mirror before you set out? God, blimey, honestly. Uh, still not working, as I said earlier on. The jet debris is found 16 months on. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. The lion killer may be tried in America they say, uh, for the illegal hunt. And uh, Frederick Forsyth talks about Nancy Delusional, the woman who looks like she's got a dead bird's nest on her head. And uh, he says, I see Nancy of the Oil is back, hosting an evening in support of would-be Labour Deputy Leader Ben Bradshaw. Massive debts, unpaid taxes, wardrobe malfunctions and planet-stopping revelations that she had to fake it when in bed with Sven Goran Eriksson. Apparently didn't do much for her. Well, let's face it, it launched your little career, dear, if, if career is what we laughingly call it. Do get the hair sorted out, honestly. It's, uh, you're beginning to look like some poor old bag lady. But uh, he says in his, uh, he didn't do much for English football either. <laughs> so there you go. Um, also, huge rise in attacks at schools. Nick Ferrari's going to be talking about this today. 50 pupils a day are suspended from school. 50 pupils a day. Doesn't seem possible, does it? And the Rocky Horror Richard to stage a UK comeback. This is Richard O'Brien, who is 73. More than 40 years after he wrote the Rocky Horror Show, he's uh, returning to the stage for a British tour of his masterpiece. And it's, it's going on somewhere. He told me in the last interview he did, he spends most of his time in litigation in people putting on the Rocky Horror Show in America, and so he has to take them to court. The time it's got through to court, they've moved to another state, and he has to start the process all over again. He's a fascinating man. Fascinating. He said, uh, Rocky was voted somewhere near the top, from year one to year two to year three. I don't understand why it's enjoyed such longevity, because now the audience shout out things, don't they? My day, they didn't. People take water pistols. When they do, there's a light over there, over at the Frankenstein place. People light their lighters. It's, it's hilarious to watch. They have to put security on now for the staff, I think, and for the, and for the people on stage. <laughs> hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. So I'd be delighted to see it. See it back again. The Metro Apprentice Star Stuart dead at 27. Uh, there will be a, an autopsy, and they will probably, 
uh, try and explain. It could have been just a heart malfunction. Uh, it could have been anything. It could have been all sorts of uh, all sorts of things. James Woods is the uh, actor who is suing a Twitter troll for more than six million after he was labelled a cocaine addict. He's filed a defamation lawsuit with Los Angeles Superior Court to begin proceedings against a Twitter user known as AB List or Abe List. The complaint reads that Woods is not now nor ever has been a cocaine addict and uh, AL had no reason to believe otherwise. Oh, get this person into court. You know, it'll be somebody going, oh, I didn't know. It was just a bit of fun. No, get him in and hang him. That's what I think. That's, that's the way forward, isn't it? Uh, the attacker who stabbed six marchers, an ultra-Orthodox Jew, this is Yishal uh, Schliesel, attacked his victims while screaming. Quite clearly not well in the head department, is he, really? He'd been released from jail three weeks ago after being sentenced to 12 years for a similar attack on three people at a gay pride in the Israeli city in 2005. This in Jerusalem. Gay rights activists, uh, activist uh, Oded Freed said, our struggle for equality only intensifies in the face of such events. I mean, he's quite clearly got some sort of mental illness, hasn't he, really? What's the matter with these sort of people? It's a shame, actually, that the gays didn't retaliate and just knock him to the ground. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, a, a nurse losing teeth during a womb-op. I'll let you read that one. And, uh, and a woman who, um, who was bitten by a spider when she got into bed. And uh, this is Britain's most venomous spider. I don't know. We had a venomous spider. But there are pictures in, in some of the papers of, uh, of this spider. Frighten the life out of me. Seriously, frighten the life. Oh, dear. How many times have you lain in bed and you thought, I think there's something crawling down my back. Oh, oh, oh something ate down my back. We all do that, don't we? I just did it now, actually. Uh, Top Gear fans dismayed as the show goes to an online service. And apparently, apparently as well, Pete Doherty looked the worse for wear. When has he ever looked anything different? Uh, plus Justin Bieber letting bygones be bygones after posting a picture of himself with Cody Simpson. Last week he branded the Aussie singer an idiot for sharing a headline Snapchat video of a jamming session with uh, Niall Horan. And it appeared to linger, the footage, on what looked like drug paraphernalia. The bromance was back on track the other day. There's something the matter with all these people, isn't there? Niall Horan. You never sort of thought of him as a sort of party boy, did you? Well, I certainly didn't. Never thought about him like that at all. 84850, uk. Uh, another one says, uh, says, 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 yes, a lot of people, 20, a lot of people complaining about the, uh, the money to go and watch Top Gear, but it's 79 quid a year. It's only a few pounds a month. Oh, people spend more than that on booze, don't they? On Prosecco. People spend more than that on Prosecco, so why not? Will you be spending it on it? It's up to you. I don't know. Uh, Steve, I don't know how they're going to enforce a zero-tolerance speed limit, as the speedo on all cars is not 100% accurate, but 10% either way, says Michael. Have you noticed they're changing the speed cameras on the A40, the Western Avenue? Up and running soon. I always, I'm very careful with my speed. I try to be. try to be very, very careful. And I, um, and I sort of worry going down the motorway, because I'm totally convinced that there's lots and lots of unmarked police cars. But generally speaking, word gets out and they go, they're operating in this particular area. Because if ever I get a car that pulls in behind me, because I get a lot of that on the motorway. And I'm, I'm, I always put the car on cruise control, so it's, I'm perfectly on 70 miles an hour. I'm, I wouldn't want to break the law in that department. And then, uh, and then if I pull out into another lane and then I watch the car behind, I'm, always, I'm very aware of all the other cars. Not all the time. Uh, totally agree about the burkas. And you've learned to say Cecil, says Jerry. Oh, it's Cecil in America. They've never pronounced it Cecil. It's always been Cecil in America. And so I did that because he was an American and he would know what we were talking about. So I hope copies of this programme make it through to him. Thank you for your company this week. 
I hope you'll join me on Sunday morning if I manage to get through the uh, the bicyclists everywhere, which I'm sure I shall be trying to do. And so I'll be here between five and six for In Conversation. Simon Pegg and Arlene Phillips, which is repeated at nine o'clock at night, but I'm live on Sunday between six and eight with the Sunday papers. What will they bring, ladies and gentlemen? You can only hazard a guess, can't you? Have a great day today. If you uh, enjoy listening to LBC, why not download